Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 101 of Tendy Talk, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the BLPA Podcast Networks. I'm your host Joe, better known as Wash Up Goalie on social media. Just a heads up, there will probably not be a new episode next week because of the Christmas holiday. This week, I chat with one of the guys that made my glorious Fawn Legacy tribute set possible, Ev Bomarito of Vaughn Custom Sports and from the Between Two Posts podcast. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Ev. Ev, well, thanks for uh, joining me on the podcast. It's uh, good to get you on. I've been listening to your podcast, uh, I think, since the inception. And uh, Thank you. And you are the magic man that helped me get the pads behind me. <laughs> so, yeah. thank you. Yeah, uh, had him. Oh shoot! Hang on. All right, my mic just went out, but I think uh, you can still hear me, right? Yeah, you're good. All right, yeah. So I've had him just over a year, and uh, one of the best purchases I've ever made. So, uh, as much as I loved the old ones, don't get me wrong, I I love those old ones, but uh, the the new ones with uh, some of the added protection. Just a little bit nicer on the knees. That's for sure. I I'm not. I, I can't even lie to you. I every time you would post and I'd see like the pictures of like your current gear and everything, I could not believe that you were still wearing those. And I give you a lot of credit because that's it's wild. Well, wild. I've told the story on the podcast before. It's one of the reasons I I wore them so long is because they were so well made. I mean, very little maintenance to him. You know, I had a strap replaced every now and then. And then um, toward the end, I took him to George's uh, repair in St. Paul and had, you know, some of the seams tightened up along the boot and whatnot. But 
they were just in such good condition. It was like they didn't need to be replaced. And I was at the Let's Play Hockey Expo maybe six, seven years ago. And Mike was sitting there with Andy Moog, and they're talking, and, and they had the the um, Goldberg set there. And my son was trying a mom playing, and uh, Andy Moog said something about, you know, don't be afraid to look around for a set for yourself. And I said, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't mind a new set, but I got a pair I bought in 1999 that, you know, are in great condition. And and Andy's going, oh, you, you don't want to say that with Mike sitting here. And Mike was just sitting there smiling, going, no, that's what we like to hear because it means we make quality stuff and it lasts. And that, that was part of the, I don't want to say part of the problem, but part of the reason I wore them so long is because they lasted, you know. No, that's and, awesome. Um, you know, it's crazy. I do remember that show. That was my first, I, I mean, unless Andy's gone to different ones, which I don't think he has, because he did an autograph signing in the booth that year, right? Uh, he may yeah. have, uh, I, I go every year and walk, walk the boy around. So, um, if he did an autograph signing, we missed it. And he was just sitting there and the two were talking. Okay. Cause, uh, yeah. I, I still remember that was the year I flew in with Mike. We like, we brought everybody, uh, and it was a pretty big trip for us. And I, that might've been our second to last. Yeah. Let's play show. But I got to meet Andy and, uh, incredible guy like we've had him on and uh i've known him through the vaughn stuff just you know through him being a part of that and everything and when we would go out after working the show and getting to sit and talk with the kids the parents everybody that would come through the the booth and everything to look at gear listening to andy's stories are incredible because not only did andy like live through all of the most incredible times of hockey but there's an art to storytelling that he has yeah. And like, you know, you having doing the sh been doing your show, you know, like sometimes I you love everybody, but sometimes you get people on. It's like, holy shit, we're, we're really pulling teeth here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like you, if you didn't want to do this, you could have told me, you know, yeah. you, I didn't want you to feel forced. And uh, but some people just want the opportunity even to try. But like you look at guys like Weeksy, like if you can tell a story and you can tell a tale and you can weave people through and put them in the seats of like being there. Uh, it's a really incredible thing. So, like, when you, when you talk to Andy, too, he doesn't, like, when this is, I don't, I want to put this as nicely as possible. I didn't realize Andy Moog was who he was when I met him. Like, I, you know, he's still a bit before my time. Like, me, I'm like, yeah. you know, Hashik. We call, I caught the end of Cujo, um, Chris Osgood, um, you know, like, watching Briz. Like, that was more my era where, like, my dad knew who Andy Moog was when I was like, Hey, I'm going with this guy. He goes, Andy Moog, like seriously. Yeah. And you know, cup winner playing with Coco, Boston, Dallas, like, and uh, you know, Andy had a very, very incredible career. And the other thing about Andy too, that's questionable is like, I like to see in this when I did the research for him was uh, like people looked at his stats and they're like, how is he not a hall of fame inductee? Right. Right. He's a snub. Yeah. Or got snubbed. Excuse me. Yeah, he, he's he's in that class where I think Chris Osgood's going to be in the same class and Corey Crawford. Those three, career-wise, I, I feel they're the same, where they were just the good, reliable goalie that people didn't realize how good they were until you really go back and look at it. You know, my favorite set that I – and I, I remember looking up at one point is everybody talks about Lundqvist. 
being a Hall of Famer, like first ballot Hall of Famer, no question. But when you compare his stats to Corey Crawford, they're almost identical. Mm-hmm. And Crawford's never mentioned in the Hall of Fame talk, but the difference is instead of having a Vesna, Crawford's got Stanley Cups. Yeah. You know, and it, it's in the, the knock that they put on Crawford and Osgood is well, look at the teams in front of them. Mm-hmm. You still need the goalie to stop the pucks. And there's been a lot of teams that were really good but didn't win because of the goaltender. Yep. So, um, yeah, Moog, Moog, I, I'm a little bit older than you. Uh, so, Moog, I, I caught the tail end of Moog. Uh, but it was fun watching. I always lo- I loved his mask in uh, Boston and loved that he carried it over into Dallas. You know, well, Minnesota and then Dallas. So, you know, just updated the colors with it. It was just one of those iconic masks of that era i think no for sure yeah he uh i mean when i look through and you look at his style we like we talked about this before i think at work um goalies i i think i've talked about this with just parents the parents i deal with goalies used to have such an uh, uh iconic identity to themselves through mm-hmm. not not that they were creating it not but through equipment yeah. You know, like you talk about Kirk McLean, like that's, you know, love Kirk, incredible saves, incredible setups and something that gets recreated all the time. Andy Moog's, you know, Boston setup, the black and gold gets recreated all the time. Mm-hmm. Different masks like the Cujo mask, like every Ed Balfour stuff, like people used to have such an iconic look. Yeah. And I think within the last, you know, 10, 15 years, some iconic looks like Howie, Jimmy Howard. Mm-hmm. Um He's got one of those where, like, the iceberg was like that was a staple. Yeah. Uh, but you don't really, be, because everyone's in these new stock graphics and there's a new one out every year that, you know, a company pushes you into. Um, I don't think you have that staple anymore. And, like, paint jobs are done where, you know, you just kind of get a team logo thrown on there and then you get, like, a Lego guy or something that might be, like, you know, pay homage to yourself or something that you're interested in. Tristan Jari gets, you know, Tom and Jerry, not even for the fact that they called him, you know, Jerry for the players that he dealt with, you know, that were Tom and Jerry and he got the cartoon. So it's like their style today and it's incredible. And like what we can do with colors, tech and everything is, is very, very cool. But you looked at stuff like Andy's stuff or Kirk or Richter, like uh, yeah, iconic Richter. things that like when you say those names to goalies, you just picture it and you know exactly what you're looking for. Even Flurry, you know, when he had the all all uh, all golds, you know, yeah. or yellows at the time, whatever color. Either way, like though that stuff just it jumps out to you. Well, and that that was something and to build on that, you know, it wasn't just the equipment, but it was their their stance. So many goalies now, you know, just the silhouette of them looks pretty similar, but you know, I can close my eyes and see the Belfort stance. I can see the Richter, the Potvin, even the Wa and the Broder. They all had this different stance. You know, um, Hashik, you know, hunched over over his pads when plays in the other end. But, you know, to your point, the graphics, too, they all had kind of their – for as simple as graphics were back then, they still had their own way of personalizing them to themselves and the way they utilized color. And that was actually something I was thinking about when I wanted to get new pads. It's like – Graphics change every year. And, you know, in the beer leagues, up at the super rink, it's like, oh, that guy got new pads this year. And two, three years later, they're looking old. So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I know what I buy next is probably my last set because the way I, you know, use them forever. So I was like, well, 
what about a graphic that's going to last with me and why not go with the one that's worked for 20 years already? You know, yeah. let's, let's go for 40. And I mean, it, they turned out amazing. I mean, the, uh, the folks at the factory, I, I can't thank them enough on fine craftsmanship and how, how you helped me get it. Because I, I remember uh, reaching out to Tori, we were going back and forth, told him what I wanted. He said, all right. And he came back and he goes, yeah, I, I just talked to my rep and uh, they, they said no. And then he was talking to Carlson, I think. And, because of that and his connection with you, all of a sudden I got a phone call back. He's like, ah, change of plans. We can do it. Cause it's like, all right, maybe I'll go back. Maybe I'll do like a, a Jeff Hackett tribute or something, you know, something that'll still stand the test of time, but it's like, all right, sweet. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I mean, the thing is everything takes a little bit of time and, you know, like yeah. I said, uh, like you learn, you know, there's a little bit of cost to it, but uh, if you, if you, if you're patient enough and you want to do it correctly, there's like, there's a lot of different things we can do. So, and at the end of the day, like you said, if you're going to have them for a long time, make sure it's something you like, you, you love or that you really want. Right. Yep. You know, and I, I know it's probably a bit of a, you probably are like, what the heck is with this guy on social media? Cause when I got him, like I was doing the countdown, like it's been X number of weeks. So this be the week. And I, I, I wasn't trying to shame Vaughn by any means because I knew when I ordered mine, one, it was in the middle of the summer season when you guys are probably doing all your pro stuff. And we were in the middle of a pandemic when the lead time was just crazy. I mean, th- there were quite a few companies that weren't even taking um, orders, you know, so mm-hmm. it was like I-, I was doing it more of like, oh, the, you know, the, the anticipation's building, almost like the kid waiting for Santa, like when, when Santa coming, I can't wait. Um it, it, and it was kind of fun. And I just love memes and gifts. So it's like, what fun one can I find this week? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and then when they came, I, I was just like, oh, my. I remember Tori called me. He's like, uh, yeah, they're in. I'm like, wait, what? And like, I, I live, I know you've been in the city. So I live up in White Bear. And General Sports is down in Edina on the complete other side of town. And yeah, it's I, not uh, close. No. And so I, I finish up with work. I'm. <laughs> my wife was like uh I'm, I'm gonna go pick up my pads and she's like what and i was like yeah they're in and she's like you're gonna go in rush hour to go pick them up can't you like go tomorrow over lunch she's like no they're in today i'm not going to wait <laughs> i'm going to get them today so yeah I, I called tori right back i'm like i'm on my way i'll be there in like an hour maybe an hour and a half depending on traffic he's like all right all right i'll, I'll be here um so yeah that, that was fun so We'll keep talking equipment, that, that's for sure. But let's talk a little bit about you. Um, you know, you, how did you get started in the game of hockey? Um, and and let, let's try to find a political correct way to say this, but you're Korean uh, by birth, correct? If I remember right from, <laughs> but but you're adopted. And I say, because one of my buddies who I've had on the show, um, Alan Olds, very much like you. Korean by birth, adopted, you know, how, how did you get with that background? How did you get started in the game of hockey? Well, <clears throat> the funny part is the way you asked that, you don't have to be PC about it, but I appreciate it because, uh, uh, you know, very fortunate enough for me, my girlfriend of seven years said yes when I, we, you know, got engaged Yeah, and she's uh, Filipina and we, we were, I, we've always talked about it jokingly, but last night, we were talking about, I'm like, you do realize you're, you're going to become a Rio Celine, her middle name, and then Bomberito now. So now you're going to have to live with my life that I've always lived. When you fill out a resume, 
or you call for an interview or you're going to set up a meeting with someone via email, text, whatever, and then you show up, you're never exactly what they're expecting. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, it's a little thrown off. I got a very Italian name. I told her our firstborn son's name is going to be Giovanni. Um, so he's going to be 100% you know, Asian American looking kid. And he's going to be Giovanni Bomarito. Uh, she's worried about me giving them too much trauma or my child too much trauma with a name like that. But I said, I, I, I figured it out and I got through it. So, uh, you know, it makes you tough. It, it gives you some grit. Um, yeah. But yeah. no, uh, yeah, I was adopted from South Korea when I was about four months old. Um, two loving parents, uh, Vicky, Terry Bomarito here in Mi- Detroit, Michigan, Metro Detroit. Not from Detroit. You can't say that around here. In Minnesota, you can say you're from Minneapolis. If you're from like White Bear, nobody's going to know yeah. the difference, right? But like, Well, be- because of uh, Fargo, everybody knows about White Bear. You know, yeah, Bears. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Very true. Uh, but yeah, we're from Metro Detroit. Um how I got my start in hockey was uh, my dad grew up playing junior B. Actually, funny story, he played with Jeff Jackson uh, in Detroit. And the cool part about playing with Jeff was my dad always puts it lightly. He's like, yeah, after games or like when we were done with stuff or practice, um, me and you know the rest of the boys, we go out and have quote unquote pops. I'm like, all right, so you're getting hammered at the bars at five o'clock. Um, but Jeff would go coach different teams he had mm-hmm. youth teams like what i'm doing now he would go work with kids and everything like that and now you look at where jeff jackson is at you know the university of notre dame incredible hockey program fighting irish incredible rink great uh just great environment that he set up there but my dad played junior b hockey when i was shoot three four five he put me on skates i was going to like you know just he would take me ice skating just to learn how to ice skate I had the goofy little, I can't even remember them, like the My Little Tyke elbow pads, the blue and like gold ones that were, I don't even know if there were anything in them. I had those. My dad got me a six CCM helmet. There's an old picture of me somewhere where I was like leaned up on the gate, like on the doorway, the entrance to the ice. And I like posed and it's just, I had a Pokemon t-shirt on. It's really funny. (laughs) I just remember that. I'll have to find that. But, and ever since then, like my dad's when he was playing beer league, I'd go watch that. He was playing in uh, ice at Troy ice arena. And then he would play roller at Joey D's Joe Dumars here. RIP Joey D's. Uh, and I think when I started to like skate and everything and he wanted to get me into hockey, I just started playing roller hockey, just learned how to play. And from there I actually played roller player and goalie until I got serious with playing goalie. Um, up until probably about like sixth grade. And then from like fourth to sixth grade, I couldn't stop playing street hockey. Like me and my friends, you come home from school. Hey, let's go play hockey. Oh, yeah. We're going to go play hockey. We're going to go play hockey. Every day after school is like homework be damned. We're, we're going to play hockey when I was in yeah. high school. Um, so I went to Brother Rice in Chicago. A, a name you're probably familiar with because yep. we have our brother's school in the Detroit area. Absolutely. And then we have Power House. Yeah, we, we had Mother Macaulay, the girls' school, right next door. And we always laughed when I went, you know, people, that's where Jenny McCarthy went to school. So, you know, some of my friends, you know, the joke was, oh, Jenny McCarthy was my babysitter. But a few of my friends, it was true. But then there was this little grade school, and they had the perfect blacktop parking lot for mm-hmm. roller hockey. So every day after school, as long as it wasn't raining or snowing, we were on that parking lot playing roller hockey until it got dark out. Or we had to go home and get our equipment to go to hockey practice. And it was just like, 
every single day we were out there. And our coach would get so mad because he's like, you guys are playing too much roller hockey. You're not doing stops and starts. You're doing these great big circles to turn around. He's like, that's because of being on the rollerblades. And we're like, yeah, probably. But, you know, we got pretty good hockey sense because of it now, too. And he's like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's uh, That's an interesting point you brought up because I just took my uh, USA coaches uh, clinic thing, my level two. Yeah. And that is, well, I got a lot to say about that. That was, uh, I love USA hockey, but those coaching clinics are brutal um, uh, for a lot of, uh, for a lot of explainable reasons, but I understand why they are the way they are. You can't, you can't sort through that stuff and figure out who knows what and who does it. They could, they they should have an option of, have you put, how many years of hockey have you played or at what level? And if you're able to check that box, okay, we're going to give you this version. Or are you just a parent coaching? Okay, we're going to give you the all-day. Yeah. Oh, you there? Oh, there we go. We're back. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I just sat through those, and I was like, I wanted to poke my eyes out because I'm like, this is so brutal. I got a guy who is telling, who is who learned which I guess is good, you know, and I don't, this sounds very arrogant, but like, I don't, if, unless you've taken these, you don't understand how painful it is. Yes. It sounds like you have Joe, like he was saying, they were, they asked the, it wasn't a rhetorical question. It was actually an intro question with answers expected. They asked, do you think it's a good idea to yell at your kids from the bench while they're playing in a hockey game, playing refs, whistles, games on the line, you know, it matters. And he goes, yeah, you should always be yelling at them, screaming at them, telling them what to do. And anyone that has dealt with kids or coached kids from 8 to 12 even, maybe not 14s, but definitely 12s still, if you scream at them or tell them what to do, they stop skating in stride and they'll look at you yep. and try to comprehend what you're saying because they're thinking something while they're on the ice learning how to just trying to survive out on the ice for yeah. you know their 30 second shift mm-hmm. they'll stop thinking and say what the hell did he say oh i gotta do that plays going the other way it's, you don't have to talk to them wait yeah. till they come to the bench let them figure it out make a mistake or do it right on the ice they come back and you explain it to them and i'm like this yeah. is the group i'm in i think these are the people i'm grouped in with and it's just you know i got my participation the last, I think, hour of my second clinic, I was listening to it through my AirPods. Uh, we were, I was coaching a game. We had a game that night, and it was against uh, this the top, the top team in our division. I'm like, I can't, I can't miss this for this. The reason I'm doing this clinic is to help these kids. So where, yeah. why are we? I don't know. It's a, it's a big toss up. I don't know even know where we started before uh-huh. that. To be but honest. no, it, it's interesting. <laughs> so I, I've taken those classes because I was. Um, Coach in high school here when I when I finished college before we had kids. Very I was cool. coaching high school here up in Forest Lake. And you know, so I, I just took the we didn't to coach high school in Minnesota, we didn't necessarily need the USA hockey certification, but I thought, hey, it's it's good to go through it. So I, I went through level three and when you get to level three, level three is a little better because you got guys who have clearly coached a while. Um so they know the game a little better, but it's like each each level you go up, they, they do get better because it kind of weeds out those people that really don't shouldn't be coaching. They do it uh, recreationally. They just keep getting their ones and twos. Yeah, they're doing it because they needed a coach for their kid's team, and he was the parent, he or she were the parents that raised their hand. 
Now, I think it was when I took my level two, Minnesota hockey had like a big education day. So they had like all three levels because level four is like the yearly symposium in one place. So they had all three levels going, but they also had uh, seminars going on for parents and they held it down at the XL Energy Center and the River Center because they had all those rooms there. And to start the day, they got all the coaches down on the floor because uh, they had the ice covered. So we're on the floor where the ice would be. And the parents are on the stands. And they had some, you know, USA coaches come up. But Don Lucia was still the coach of the Gophers at the time. Okay. So they were, they were winning national titles. And he comes out and he starts out and he goes, I got the second greatest job in the world. And you can see some people looking around. He goes, some of you are probably wondering, what's the best job in the world? He goes, Coaching a hockey team for orphans because you don't have to deal with parents. <laughs> <laughs> and all of the coaches are just laughing. You look up at the stands and the parents are just sitting there going, <laughs> they saw no humor in it. But he's like, you know what? He's like, it's inevitable. You're going to have those parents that are just overbearing. He goes, I coach at the division one level and I'm winning national championships. And I still get phone calls from parents asking why Johnny's not on the power play. Why isn't Johnny getting more ice time? He goes, first time it happened, I went out to my uh, secretary and I said, what What does it say on my door? And she says, Don Lucia, head coach of University of Minnesota. He goes, that's what I thought. I thought I was a college hockey coach. I shouldn't be dealing with parents right now. <laughs> you know, but I mean, that's the other thing about coaching that um, I think a lot of parents don't think of, but it, it reminds me of one of my favorite Yogi Berra quotes. And when I say favorite Yogi Berra quotes, there's about 800 of them that I love. Yeah. But he said, uh, youth sports are good. It keeps the parents off the streets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, I mean, we had it the other day where somebody of one of our kids on the family, not a direct parent, but said, made a comment about, hey, you need to stop watch. And I'm not the head coach. Uh, I got a guy, Jamie Ramin, who I, I would, I tell him this all the time. I don't think he really believes me, but I would run through a wall for this guy. He's, you know, he's a younger guy, early twenties played up in the AJ. He recently, you know, like I've seen him skate and we do all our skill stuff and he's good. He, he came and sub for a men's league game. And I was like, I didn't realize how good Jamie was at playing hockey. He's so good, but the way he teaches kids, we're not he's not asking our best kid to like everybody move the puck to him. Cause we're coaching right. 12 view hockey. We're at 11 years old and like fly, let him fly up the wall. You guys crash the net and we'll figure it out. He's trying to teach these kids how to regroup. He's trying to teach these kids the proper way to play hockey. So right. at this age, when you go to your 14 team or you go to a 15 team, even if you're not playing AAA and a coach is trying to get you to regroup, at least our kids, our group of uh, 15 to 18 kids, when they leave, it won't be a surprise to them. Well, And I love the way Jamie coaches. Play to win, and to do that, you just give, you know, the most talented kid the puck, and, and that's admirable. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that, that's what coaches are supposed to do. We're supposed to find the situations – that we can put a kid into so they can succeed and they can mm-hmm. learn from that and grow. Um, and while I'm thinking of it, so one of your recent podcasts, you were talking to Evan Moise and he was talking about his goalie coach at Ohio state, Dustin Dusty. Carlson. Yeah. I happened to coach Dusty in high school, his senior really? year. And, and just had him on the podcast like an episode or two ago. And it was funny. Cause when I had him on, he was talking about, he said, yeah, we, we had this goalies. Like, great guy he, he was never the starter he goes but he would just yell at people from the bench and just like 
you know, make noises. He goes, at one point, you know, the coaches came to me. They're like, all right, it's got to stop. So he's like, yeah, I, I talked to Moise. And I was like, you get two a game. That's all you get now. So as you guys have been talking about this, yeah, Dusty is home. Yeah. But when I had him on, you know, we were talking about like his parents were the ideal hockey parents. Like the only time I ever saw his dad, I know, know his mom and dad were at all the games. Like the only time I really ever interacted with his dad was when I was putting together the uh, team posters at the beginning of the year because his dad yeah. owned a printing company. Very cool. Uh, we had uh, other parents. Um, like We had this kid, Aaron Paytich. His parents lived down the street from me. I always saw him at the games, never talked to him mm-hmm. to the point where when they moved in down the street, I was like, didn't even recognize him. It wasn't until my son was selling Boy Scout Reeves where he sold him one. And I saw the last name. I was like, I think I coached your kid. And they're like, oh, yeah, you do look familiar. <laughs> you know, it's like there are those parents. And then there are the parents that uh, as coaches, we said, uh, they're the ones that stand in the corner. They always yeah. stand. They never sit down. They always stand in the corner. So we effectually named the one corner in our rink pitcher's corner because it was always the same, like five or six dads and like two moms just sitting there, arms always crossed, grumpy looking, yelling at refs. It's like, you're not doing anything for your kid doing that. In fact, the, the one kid, his dad was always over there and he, he was a really talented baseball player too. And I worked for a newspaper many years ago and I was covering the baseball game and his dad got thrown out of the baseball game for arguing balls and strikes with the ump from the stands. So the ump is like, just, just go. And he mm-hmm. wouldn't leave. So his kid, he, he packs up his baseball bag and he's like, if you're not going to go dad, I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. His kid actually left the game and his dad still wouldn't leave. You know, and, and th- those are the parents that, uh, coaches have to deal with it it's it's more than just figuring out your practice plan and who's who's going to play you know what minutes each night it's trying to navigate those crazies and, and work with the kid to let them know like hey we understand that's not a reflection of you yeah well it's that's an incredible story just because the kid's more of an adult at that point yeah than the parent who is his adult yeah um yeah, it's funny because like my dad, my dad growing up was the guy who at every game or skate practice was the guy in the corner because with us, we had a, a the group of dads in the corner that would stand and not sit with the people in the stands because they would be screaming at refs or, you know, telling their kids, skate, skate, skate. Like, it's like, just let the kid play hockey. You know, yeah. you're not going to be able to influence it. And the thing you said, too, that my dad always t- told other people and I tell people if you don't like the way it's being coached and you don't like what we're doing with your kid or you think you could do it better put skates on go yep. take a class you get on the ice you run the team next year but until you are able to set up a practice plan three or four times a week get these kids on the ice and get them ready to go somehow for games two times a week or at tournaments and you can get these kids up and ready to go and get them fired up it's it it no one realizes how much you love to do it for the kids you do it for all the right reasons oh, yeah. but it, it gets tiring it's exhausting out on top of like there's some guys that do this at the youth level as a full-time job i do it obviously part-time you know like this is a yep. all after work thing for me but i love helping it i like i have we have a great group of kids that i love dealing with and messing with all the time and joking around and it's one of those things where like if you put if you stepped into my skates and you jumped on the ice and you were doing this all the time, I don't think you realize how hard this is and how you're just trying to keep kids in a good mental state while getting them to focus. And depending on your age group and your level, like 
if you're coaching 12U AAA, it's probably a lot easier to get those kids to buy in because they're operating at a different level. But you go down to A or AA kids, you got to really like make sure everyone's dialed in and trying to get them all to show up collectively at a practice every day. Not easy. <laughs> so, well, it's interesting you say that too because I, when I was coaching and like, like I coached because I, I loved the game and like I didn't have kids at that point. So yeah, I could spend six nights at the rink after work and all that, yep. but it, it's so rewarding working with those kids. But I remember we were getting ready to play White Bear Lake, our arch rival. And one of the other coaches had just spent a year playing in the ECHL. He played down at Mankato and everything else. Okay. And he, he played, he played high school hockey for the school I was coaching at. So like, he was fired up. Like, this is a big game. You know, the arena was packed with fans from both communities and everything else. And we had to fire up our kids. Mm-hmm. He's like, he just, he couldn't understand. He's like, what is with kids these days? Yeah. He's like, when I was in school, and he's like, and that's not that long ago. Our coach didn't even have, all the coach had to do is walk in and say two minutes so the ice is ready. Mm-hmm. That was the pregame talk for the rivalry game. You know, nobody had to get you fired up. He's like, but here we are before the game. We have to go in there and get these kids fired up and remind them that it's a rivalry game. He's like, what is it with kids these days? It's, they are a different breed than when even we were growing up. And I don't think some parents realize that, you know. Yeah. They have different priorities, different things motivate them. Um, and as coaches, we have to figure it out because while one kid might be fine, another one's different. You know, some of the goalies, like when, when I was coaching uh, Dusty, he was a senior. It was my first year coach. And I walked in, I was like, this kid's good. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to do anything. to my, my intention for that year with him was to not break him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was, I, I was very hands off with him. I watched him if, you know, I noticed, you know, maybe his confidence was down. I would try, you know, coach him a little bit that way or, you know, little things was like, I didn't need to worry about him. So I focused it's really on really maintenance t- type yeah, stuff. Like exactly. you're not going to rebuild the wheel and Hey, we're going to work on this, this, and the other thing. It's like, all right, we're just going to, you know, let you feel the puck. We're going to hit a couple spots today make sure you're on your feet and we'll go from there. Yeah, ex- exactly. Super and, simple. What I loved about him is he had this swagger and confidence that you can't coach. Like the, the confident in himself, and he was good. That that helped. But I mean, he would just walk in out onto that ice, and he wearing his Warwick, and his chin was always just so held so high, walking out onto that ice, and in that anthem line that like if anybody shot a puck at him, it would just get him right in the you know, neck, but he was just, yeah, I'm confident. I got this. Um, but you know, some of the other goalies, um, God, I'm trying to remember. I had Paulie Moberg. He wound up going to play at Air Force Cam. He's just a, you know, fantastic kid, good family. And I, I would just literally look at him, give him a look. And he's like, yeah, I got it. I know what I got. And then I had another kid, um, Nate Burris, good kid, left-handed goalie. So I always picked on him for that. Um, but a Vaughn user loved it, loves his Vons. Um, and, and he had the, uh, Olaf Kolzig mask too. I don't, I don't know what it was about Kolzig that he loved, but he had the, the Zilla mask. So that was kind of cool. But, uh, he was one of those kids where I could, I could pick on him throughout the game. He did let in a bad goal. I, I knew it was the best thing to do for him was to just pick on him and kind of like poke fun at him because mm-hmm. that would lighten him up and he would get him out of his head. But then I had another kid who, 
he had stuff going on at home and like had to put the what you know the kid gloves on with him had to put my arm around him you know it's okay buddy everything and i don't think parents realize that when you're dealing with the team you have all of those you have uh treat each kid differently you can't just you know walk in i mean we do still walk in the locker room and fire off after yeah at certain times so it's like you almost have to go up to them individually and, and parents don't realize that yeah yeah it's a lot of individual management of like relationship of what you know each kid's going through and and how you can handle that situation and that's what makes a good coach and that's i think that you know circling it back to the usa hockey like clinics and i, I understand why we got to do it and it, yeah it's a good weeder and there is some stuff you like some people can take away but those are the things that they don't teach like i get the safe sport i get how we you know set up a practice plan like those are all things that are mechanically that's easy to do but to teach how to work with kids and develop and like just manage relationships and the biggest thing is allow the kids to have fun but inspire them and make them chase to do better because it can't always just be slapstick oh we're gonna have fun whatever we'll go scrim and we'll run around and you guys can you know just do stupid drills it's about getting better but also mixing in fun and being competitive it's it it's like that's a complicated formula in itself you know what i mean it, so. it is it is and you know par- parents just don't get it but i mean that's half the reason we coach it's fun it's challenging um and it's always fun when you're working with a kid and they're just they're struggling with something and all of a sudden you just see that light go on Mm-hmm. And now they got it. You know, it's I, I liken it to the Mighty Ducks too when they're trying to teach Luis Mendoza how to stop. Yeah, like he's trying, he's trying. Then all of a sudden, it happens. He's like, "That's how you do it." Yeah, and and that that's what makes coaching worth it. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's not the wins and losses; it's those moments. Yeah, I've been very very fortunate to work with two goalies for a significant amount of years, like you know, consecutively. And Henry, since he's been seven or eight. Um, has come a long, long way in his development. Like I took him from a kid when he first put on pads and they're eight U, you know, they, they would always do shootouts, just constantly shootouts at the end of games and stuff just for the kids to have fun. And a kid would walk down and he did the eight U thing where like, as they get close, we just lunge at them, take their yeah. feet out. And it's like, that's classic stuff. Now we're playing in some big games and the stuff he's doing, like he's pushing on second saves, he's scrambling, he's battling for rebounds. And it's like to see where that kid is now, First, where he was when we started is incredible. And then he's got his sister. She played house hockey all last year, made the jump to travel hockey. We're like a single A team uh, in a different ranking, but we're a single A team. And when we got her last spring, she was a lot in that same space where he was when he was eight, where in house hockey here, well, where she was playing, she didn't have to move. She yep. stood at the top of the crease. She knew that and would just go down every time because those kids just kind of come and they don't even shoot the puck. They just push it into her. So we can just stand there. The play always somehow funnels to her feet. They'll never go around her. So she didn't have to shuffle, move, or shift, change angle, and they'll push the puck in her. She has to go down, and sometimes we can cover it. Sometimes we're not. It'll scramble. Then they might get a goal. Yeah. Where she came from, from we'll call it last April to where we played Honeybake the other day, and she was hitting her spot. She's firing through T-pushes. She's gobbling up rebounds. She's doing anything she can to move. And the way she was skating – I wish I could show her a video of where she was then where she, we just couldn't move versus where we are today. And seeing that for me is like, 
it's a treat. And I tell the parents, their her parents and their coaches all the time because we're a group with a couple different teams and we're we're a really close knit group. And it's like there's a lot of reward into doing this, you mm-hmm. know. And I get compensated for lessons and everything like that. But I think for me being a a 29 year old kid without kids and getting to see what happens when you commit time and you're teaching a kid how to do a skill and then they go from where she was today to there. It is the most rewarding shit and it's the coolest thing. It's the yep. best way I can be a part of hockey right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and helping beer leaders like myself get their dream set. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that too. That's like, that's up there on the top of my list. Like, Hey, what can I get done today? And how can I make the world a better yeah. place? Beer league gear, helping kids. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, <laughs> there's that. Um, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit. And one of the recent episodes you had shared that, you know, as you were getting close to done with high school, your dad had an honest talk with you. And yeah. he was like, look, Ev, I love you, but you're not good. Um, <laughs> you, you're not going to go play division one. Like it, it's not going to happen, you know, and I don't think enough parents are as honest with their child's own ability. I swear up until my mom passing away, she thought I should be playing in the NHL. <laughs> um, and I, I think my dad at times still thinks like if I wanted to and, you know, would work the, the email and the phones that I could probably go play over in Europe. I'm like, yeah. no, <laughs> you know, they have those love goggles on, but your dad, as much as he loved you, was still honest and gave you really good advice and, that like there well you might not make you know the NCAA division one team there's still this thing called club you know ACHA club hockey. Yeah club is Butcher Grass likes to say club hockey is still college hockey. Yeah. Um you know what was that like to have that honest conversation with your dad? And I mean you said it was you know the right the right um assessment and was the right thing for you. But what what was that like having that kind of honesty from your dad as you play because i'm gonna guess it wasn't just at one time it was throughout your playing days competitive playing days because you still play but you know how refreshing was that as you look back at it um for me a lot of life and i think that the, outside of hockey like a lot of things are right time right place right yeah. you know like you talk about an nhl goalie who says a young guy and he gets drafted and we're on the right team and then he gets into a game and his team's, you know, lights out that year. That, that takes that kid who's a rookie and gives him a lifelong NHL career because he's having a stud season, signs a five-year contract, whatever. But you take the same kid in a different scenario and you put him in a, on a bad team, he's never going to play in the NHL again. He'll end up being a coaster. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. right time, right place. Um, at that time, it all worked out to where, like, my dad actually was always super supportive with my games. He was one of those goalie parents that, you know, he played out, so he didn't really fully understand all the makings of it. And after a game, say we lost four to three, and I knew I had should have had three of them, he, he'd always give me the spiel. Well, like, you know, that, that, that forward who scored on you had to go through five other guys. They had yeah. to do this. Or somebody else made a mistake before it got to you. I'm like, Dad, I, I get it, but, like, I'm still shit. Like, I should have had those goals. Like, I you know, and that's the stuff I'm trying to teach our kids. But. When high school was done, I had an incredible experience. You know, I was on a team for after my sophomore year, my junior, senior year, we would pack the stands every home game. 
mm-hmm. had friends showing out for us. It'd be standing room only. Senior year, these kids came with the easy button, which we stole from whoever when you saw that on YouTube. And like kids are jumping in the glass every goal. It was like an incredible, incredible high school experience. And the hockey was, it's better than where Michigan high school is today. But I'm done and I'm starting to get calls from like WSHL, Western States League, which I think dissolved into something new. (laughs) Getting calls from this guy down in Florida with the Florida Eels, which I think turned into a different Florida team in the USPHL getting calls from out east hey Everett you know we saw your like because I had one of those stupid little free profiles mm-hmm. with a couple clips and like we'd love for you to come to camp and my dad having played junior B in Detroit knew through he could see through the shit yeah and he goes you're not I'm not paying a thousand dollars for you to go to a camp for them to fill their camp right and then say oh no we're, we're just gonna go in a di- different direction this year he's like you're good you had a ton of fun but to go do that doesn't make sense if I'm going to pay for more hockey if I can just help you with school. If you go to Michigan State now, you can go play some sort of club, whether it's ice, it's roller, whatever. You can go play club, have a ton of fun, move on with your life, still be involved with hockey, and yeah. I'll help you with school rather than paying for stupid junior hockey where you're a third goalie, you play once a month, and like you're just going to end up going to Michigan State to play club hockey anyways, even yeah. though you got your quote-unquote junior experience. And I don't want to shame anybody that's out there that goes and does that route because everybody's different. Yeah. But at the end of the day, right time, right place for me. Went to Michigan State for four years, graduated on time, did internships at Vaughn when they were willing to bring on somebody in a position that was never existent before. Mm-hmm. And now I have a full-time job. And I'm very, very lucky to be doing what I'm doing now because – where I am now didn't exist before I was there. Right. So like because of the timing in place and the work that I got to put in when I was an intern, now I have a job with the company that I, if you told me in high school, Hey, you're going to go shoot an SLR three video, the first ever like real video promo that bond's going to do. You're going to help kind of organize it, bring in a bunch of staff to like film it, edit it, organize the goalies, know what we're going to do on ice, get the cameras, get everything set up, get the rink, get people to do the dashers and, shoot photo and we're going to shoot it and it worked out as beautifully as it did outside of both guys getting traded immediately after we filmed it (laughs) which it is what it is that's just the way it goes for us um like i would be beside myself because i was that kid in high school that was such a hockey nerd everything was hockey the way i spoke everything was just like now looking back at it's a little bit too much it's a little bit cringe just because you weren't that good you were good at high school but like you were obsessive but it made me into the person i am today i know how to work hard even though like my talent wasn't always there but my compete and willing to like go to workouts commit do everything i got to do outside of hockey to just be competitive you know develop me now and not playing junior hockey getting my job at vaughn is uh it all kind of worked out for me so well it's funny too because i i I've used it in job interviews because I used to do a lot of contracting. And whenever I would go in for a new con, you know, new gig, you know, people are like, well, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm like, well, I was an athlete. Yeah. And they're like, okay. It's like, that means I know how to work with different personalities and I don't have to like you to work well with you. Mm -hmm. We know what the common goal is and we can do that and know that at the end of the workday, we don't have to hang out. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, and they're like, and I'm an analyst. So they're like, well, you'll be part of the marketing team, but you'll like can be by yourself. Are you okay with that? It's like, not only am I an athlete, I'm a goalie. I am used <laughs> to being a part of the team, but on my own. 
And they're like, oh, okay. And luckily living in Minnesota, they all get that. But like if yeah. I were down uh, down south, uh, like Kyle, they might be like, well, what does that mean? Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hockey, what is, what is that yeah. on the field? Yeah, but up, up in Minnesota, I mean, they get it. Um, yeah, so... You know, you've been mentioning roller quite a bit. I mean, I didn't realize how big roller hockey was in Michigan until I started looking into it. Uh, and, and you still play. You know, what what is the uh, the roller scene? Obviously, Spit and Chicklets came out there and you, you dominated that. What uh, <laughs> won won the Chicklets Cup? Um, you know, how has roller hockey played a role in your hockey career? Um, what's crazy is like going back to when I played, I grew up playing street hockey and I, I'm sure you remember, remember all the Franklin street hockey gear yes. sets that they did. Brutal, the, uh, brutal the, equipment. The roller hockey international. Yep. But all those Franklin sets, like the street hockey ones, they had like the flame graphic, the USA, yeah. the army, the camel with the bullet holes. I yeah. still remember sixth grade when we had Thanksgiving or not Thanksgiving when we had Halloween or fifth grade fifth or fourth grade, something like that. I actually wore my USA Franklin pads to school and I was going to, I was a goalie for Halloween. Nice. And I thought yeah. that was the coolest thing, but I grew up playing street hockey, played goalie, sixth grade roller hockey. Our elementary school team needed a goalie because our kid moved. I said, I want to do it. Wore my street hockey stuff, borrowed everything else. And I fell in love with it and playing roller hockey and watching Dominic Hoshik in Detroit at the same time, probably the two worst things that ever happened to me in terms of <laughs> development, because that's like, that's, this is the coolest thing watching him do what he does and just being athletic and compete. Like guy wasn't, he had no structure to it, but obviously because he was so good at compete and what he was doing, he got away with it. And in roller, that's just, that's where I took my game. And then eventually yep. got to ice, polished it, figured it out and like cleaned a lot of things up. But roller is just, it's a lot of fun. I mean, for me, because I grew up doing it, like I talked to, uh, I don't know if you'll know the name, but Tyler Spezia, he's a Michigan kid, plays in Grand Rapids now, grew up playing high school hockey, huge roller guy. You know, he mm -hmm. was a part of the, the duo, him, Brandon Hawkins, and a bunch of other guys that are playing pro now, all played with Matt Koleski for the Border Cats growing up as kids. We were all kind of running around there those guys all play pro hockey. So it, it did help them develop. But Tyler said, when I talked to him before on a different show, I said, what, what is it about roller that keeps you coming back? He's like, I love ice hockey. I love playing hockey. I can't believe I get played to pro paid to play pro hockey now and play a kid's game. But he's like, I'm never more comfortable than when I have wheels on my feet and I'm out there. And when he's out there and you, we go to these pro tournaments, he runs his mouth. Mm -hmm. He talks a lot of shit and because he knows what he's doing. He understands the game. He is a very high end level guy where like you go to ice hockey. He's very good. He's playing in the AHL. He's got, he's got back-to-back -back contracts in Grand Rapids, but compared to some of those other guys that grew up doing it their whole lives, you know, and they're, they're first line forward. That's a skill guy. He knows he's not at that rank. Right. Well, so for roller, it's really cool to step back and just go play there. But I, in terms of development, it doesn't it's, it's the worst thing for you outside of learning to compete on two on ones, two on O's, battling for rebounds, getting stuff that you have no business getting. And I think that's the coolest part about roller is like there's a lot of two on one chances, backdoor stuff that you can stack the pads. You can do stuff that you wouldn't normally do in ice hockey and it works and you come up with the most ridiculous saves. And uh, like there's a guy, Kishi, who I played college roller with at Michigan State when we play on Tuesdays. 
he always seems to pick up pucks and he'll get turnovers inside a circle and he'll turn his he'll have his back to me pick up the puck turn around and i'll be coming out and throw him a two pad stack works every time he can never <laughs> score because when they see it they're like what the hell is this what the hell's about to happen and they just throw it at you and then boom it's gone so yeah um, it's a lot I, of fun you know you, you can't say you can't use the two pad stack on the ice because i still do it all the time yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> i on what i've said shared the story a couple times on the episode i was uh filling in uh for a summer uh game pre-covid and um there was a high school team getting on the ice for their, one of their summer skates and only one of their goalies was there. And the coach is like, Hey, if you want some extra ice, you know, have, have you out there. I'm like, for sure. It's been years, you know, since I put the pads on for practice. Yeah. I, I could use it. So like the last 15, 20 minutes were scrimmaging and two on one, they pass the puck across. I stack the pads and make the save, but the puck just, stops there the kid could have easily put it right over me but he just stopped and he looks at his coach he goes what is that how, how do i respond to that and this i said this is kid. not allowed somebody get this yeah he's like i've never seen this before it was like what is this wizardry and i look at the kid i said you keep playing until you hear a whistle yeah you should have scored there and he's like i i didn't know what to do after that <laughs> he had never seen it it was you know but i i do it so much in the beer leagues that the other teams are getting used to it Yep. They still don't anticipate it, um, but they're they're not as uh, wowed by it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like uh, uh, it's a yeah. classic move. You throw I throw a couple diving pokes all the time and stuff. But uh, it's interesting though. Like talking about roller, it is huge in Michigan, St. Louis, Cali, obviously, Florida. It's growing. Kyle's down there, always mm-hmm. wheeling around. Out east, it doesn't exist. New York, though, I shouldn't say out east. I'm talking like Boston, New England yeah. area. Like no one really plays it out there. But as I say that, the Adam Ernie, that giant guy for the Red Wings, he loves roller and he brings a team from Connecticut. His buddies he grew up playing roller with in Connecticut, they always come to Detroit and play in tournaments and he he wheels around there. Um but yeah, like New York, Long Island, it's really, really big. Minnesota's never had it, but no. it's ironic though because Narch one time they closed out the X and they ran a two ring system for a national tournament where the big sheet was obviously tiled and then they put in the one where the expo side was there's yeah. pictures of it they did it there and there's a kid uh, i'm sure you might know the name jack roble played with the mm-hmm. magi back then he's like he might still be with augsburg he loves to play roller in the summers henry welsh plays roller in the summers i don't know where they do it in minnesota but uh it's a very small thing it sounds like but there's yeah. a group of kids and i keep telling them i'm like Take that group of kids and friends and go to a state wars tournament and play. Name your team, whatever. You guys could put on like golden gophers jerseys, go to state wars and go play in it and just have some beers, have fun, wheel around. It is the coolest thing you can do in a tournament. You have all the USA hockey, like ice hockey ones that are fun, but roller is different because it's just, it's a, it's depending on what you make of it. Like if you're playing pro, it's obviously a little bit more intense, but even pro, it's way, way more casual than anything you expect. Yeah. And it's just a lot of fun. You get on the bench, you compete, you know, listening to the guys chirp and talking about set and picks and the way they look at the game, it's very intense. Um, but for the guys, when you're going to do a double A, single A division out state wars or any national tournament, it's just a lot of fun. You go out at night, you get ripped up with the boys, you come in banged up, you try to get through the playoffs, you get your playoff game, and then you just go on a heater. That's all it's well, about. And and I wanted to ask, as a goalie, goalie for ice hockey is, 
the footwork is very different for roller hockey. Mm-hmm. Does that impact you as you go back and forth between ice and roller, or uh, do you find it maybe helps you because you, you think of different ways to make those desperation saves? Um, that's the part that kills you is when you're in roller and you can't slide move and you got to make a, you know, a second save and you can't push into it. Now you have roller fly. So things are a little different and you can slide around. Um, but back in the day when I was a kid, it was harder to transition. Mm -hmm. Like I would stay away from roller when I was playing in season or when I was getting ready to like be ready to go. It was just a summer thing because the footworks there, your T push, your C cut, everything like that. But the way you hit your spots and how you pick your spots and roller, you divide the floor up into like almost three or four parts where I'm not going to move until he gets to X, Y, or Z. Ice Mm -hmm. hockey, you're constantly shifting, moving, and adjusting your angle to like, you know, protect the net and get some net coverage going. So I think it's like if if you got kids that are doing both as a goalie, let them play out in roller. Don't make them play goalie. You know, like I get it. They're hard to find. But make some other kid who's, you know, a great skater. Make him play goalie or something. But Now, when I first started playing, again, showing my age, you know, you were talking about the Franklin stuff. Roller hockey and street hockey equipment when I was a kid. Well, roller blades were kind of a new thing at that point. Yeah. But I was wearing the plastic Mylec pads. Oh, so yeah. There was, oh, a little, yeah. there was a little bit of slide on those yeah. uh, because of the plastic no foot protection, how I didn't have more broken toes. I don't know. Um, but I I saw a thing the other day. It was like, you knew shit was about to go down when one of the kids comes walking down the street with those slung over their (laughs) shoulder. Like it's going to get serious. I was that, I was that kid walking down the street with the Milex and I had the, the Milex mask. Mask, Yeah. Oh, it got hit so many times with that thing is you were better off taking it off the face and wearing that thing and getting hit in the face. Yeah. But you look so (laughs) cool with the mask on. I, I I do kind of want to find one of those again, just like put it on the shelf because that, that thing was awesome. Um, and then when I got to high school, like one of my buddies had the Eddie Belfour Cooper street hockey set. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, showing my age again, but the, the Franklins were kind of out at that point. Um, so let, let's talk Vaughn. Um, great company, handmade. And to be and honest, like I said, the quality. When, when I was looking, there, there were some other companies I was looking at. Um but it just kept coming back to the quality. Joe, how could you? Come on. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it, like handmade quality. I mean, not going to lie, Brian's was probably the only other one I considered for the same reason. Yeah. Because it's handmade quality as well as um, made in North America. Um, especially especially as we, we were going through a global pandemic and people were losing jobs. That, that was important to me that, you know, in some way when I order the equipment, I want somebody closer to home to at least be doing it um so i was really excited when they showed up and it had the made in america tags on there too it was like all right cool um uh but the the quality of the equipment that vaughn has compared to some others like i've, I've talked to some other people and i'm gonna keep them nameless uh to protect their <laughs> their uh cred but uh like bauer stuff looks cool like what they're doing with digiprint is cool but he's like you might get two seasons out you know uh the ccm stuff now that um uh, lafreb's gone you know their own way they're like they're not going to last more than a couple years for you 
They're like, if, yeah, if you want something to last you another 20 years, you got to go Vaughn. And it's like, that's what I want. But then when, when we start talking specs, I like the softer pad. Vaughn's one of the only companies I can get that from. Um, you know, so there, there's that. So I, I just want to put that out there. there. There's a reason I still wear Vaughn and pretty much head to toe. I, I have the uh, the Vaughn foam core stick even. <laughs> so I, That's awesome. Uh, are, are they still making the foam core sticks? We have, I got some still on the shelf when I did my null order for last year. So you let me know, send me pictures of what you got and I'll see what we have. If yeah. We have it close. was funny because uh, I got it off of pro stock hockey. It's a Keith Kincaid. Stick. Oh yeah. That would match perfect with the white, red, black. Yeah. yeah well, that's like, I, I needed a new stick and I've been using warrior and I love the warrior stick. And then I saw the red, white, and black Keith Kincaid Vaughn stick. It's like, well, shit. In fact, my, um, my Facebook uh, profile pictures from the day I went out um, the winter classic when it was here, Kane Van Gate was in town and we got together and did a shootout um, on a outdoor rink. And he was kind enough to take a picture for me with, with the whole set. If I can get the damn picture up. Um, how was, uh, how was he? Good guy. Like oh, yeah, away from awesome. the camera and every- yeah. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah, he he's a super awesome guy. You know, really, really chill. Um, I would say, you know, his personality on the camp off camera is not too far from his personality on the camera. I mean, obviously the dry humor and everything, but he just he loves the game of hockey and he loves the people of the game of hockey. Um, You know, when I picked him up, the the rink I wanted to take him to is Groveland Park um, in St. Paul. Um, You would love this place. It's got two rinks with boards chain link fence behind the nets yeah but around the whole thing they have this path a skating path so you can skate an oval and then they have this great big area off to the side where you can just do open skate and then they got another little area for um pond hockey with the pond hockey goals really and they have a zamboni so they'll just clean the ice throughout the day you know so it's Awesome. And I, I play in an outdoor tournament there every year with a group for the love of puck. And it's just this awesome. So I wanted to take them there, but it wasn't open yet. So I found another nice one out in Edina and uh, you know, we were going back and forth and he was in town with his now wife uh, because she was doing all the recording for him. And uh, he's like, all right, well, just send me the address and I'll, I'll find an Uber because we're going to be going to the airport. And I was like, I've got an SUV buddy. Like, yeah. I'll come pick you up. I'll, I'll save you the hundred bucks and Uber fees. And he's like, okay, are you sure? It's like, yeah. And so like we, we were packed in that car cause I had my hockey bag. He had his plus all their stuff for the trip, but you know, it's just a very, very cool guy. He's yeah. He's, he's fun. Wow. Um, this is actually real. Like this is, I mean, you almost bucket list this to go see this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I, I texted my buddy that runs the uh, tournament there. It's usually January, late January, early February. When when I find out when it is, I'll have to text you. You, you might want to come out for that one. Yeah, I'll send the team. There's he would love that. There's a the Groveland tap is like a block down the street, and me and another goalie, Kara Trailer, she's from uh, the Pittsburgh area. Uh, two three years ago, the tournament we walked into the bar in full goalie equipment and ordered our beers. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, but it, it's a good tournament. They, they have kind of like a, a rec division and then like the competitive one and the, the one team that usually comes, the Grizzlies, they're good. That they, uh, They're always in the final. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's an awesome rank. 
Um, last year was a little different because they didn't open the warming house for us to get ready in uh, because of COVID. So, I mean, they had a tent set up with some heaters, but... Um, you still feeling that wind come through there? Yeah, yeah, it, it was something else. Um, but wh- where I was going with all this, Vaughn Graphics, what's your favorite Vaughn Graphic? Man, that <laughs> it brings up a lot. Like Sophie's Choice, right? The tough part, like I, I instantly think Jimmy Howard, Howie Ice. Um, mm-hmm. When I grew up as a kid, like I was a Howie fan since he, I remember seeing his first game with the wings. Like he was wearing like P2 Reebok stuff with the plastic clips on it in the National League. Amazing. Um, to, to when he had the Jimmy Howard iceberg. Now the funny story is we always try to get him to go back to it. He's like, no, I can't go back to that. That's not me anymore. You know, when he got into an SLR pad and had like evolved, like do the, do the Howie ice, blah, blah, blah. And he would just never get into it. I think that to me stands out. Quickies V4 is an iconic look. When he yeah. went back to that last year, that was a blast. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of V5, 6, 7. Um, I mean, it's always the offshoots. Like I love the pulse. I love the zigzag. I think Cam Johnson's zigzag always stands out to me. And this doesn't make any sense because it's a youth pad and no one's going give to <laughs> give, give a shit really. But uh, when he won with, I think it was Little Caesars or Honda, he had the baby blue with the navy zigzag that he ordered custom as a kid and he was playing like 16s or 18s or something. Yeah. Uh, like that zigzag's an iconic look. But I think Jimmy Howard has to be. Also, what I wore in high school, which I thought was really, really cool, was the 7700 graphic. You remember like when Carrie Price kind of uh, we issued that out as a special order pad. Yeah. 7700. It was like a little mini swirl with the two swirls off the boot. Um, yeah. You know, I that, that, was high school. that was the best. Yeah. That that was a cool graphic that um, that was when I really, really liked playing around with the uh, customizer on, you know, I I, I love that. um who is it? Linus Hallmark is going with the Byron Defoe tribute. Unfortunately, it's on a Bauer, but like those star yeah. graphics were pretty sweet back in the day too. Yeah, we've got. I got a lot of requests about doing those, and we've thought about it. And it's just you know somebody's got to commit to wanting to do one. We can't just do one for nobody. Um, it's interesting. Like I'm not going to get up and bash or say anything bad about anything, but like it's interesting what people will do with other graphics. And I get there was an iTech version that got knocked off. Um. But yeah, there's there's something interesting about the way that works because I think at the end of the day it all comes it circles back and people know, like Moger Texas, he goes, What's that about? Like, you know, and like people you just know like who did it. Yeah, and it always comes back. And I like it because I think where social media goes for companies doesn't I think it needs to be less polished. Um I don't know if I'll get, you know, crucified for this, but I'm a bit of a stoolie guy through yep. not through like the stuff that people think like part of my take like i listen to a lot of comedy podcasts yep. but i i've st- not studied but i've watched a lot of their behind the scenes and the way they do it and everything they try to give you I, I i think people think it's all real it's very polished but they give you something that's raw feels like mm-hmm. you're behind the scenes and like when i forgot what happened was it kirk maybe it was the kirk set but I wanted to stir the pot and I was just like, you know, like OGs remember or something like that. And I posted the pick of Kirk after somebody had gotten their, you know, tribute set or whatever. And I still remember, I think people were sending DMS and everything, but they couldn't post 
because they're too polished and they couldn't respond in that way. And it was funny because we're a family company. We all run the social, like there's a lot of people that have hands in that. And it's just, we can do what we feel is correct. And I think that's the shift that you have to have is be real with the people and just yep. kind of have back and forth. And, you know, we're not going to slander anybody, but like you remember who, who did the real, you know, the first star, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. yeah. You know, I, I think people forget even Eddie Belfour with the stars, you know, had, so, you know, that on the, I think it was the V1 or V2 pads. He had the star cluster. I mean, th- yeah. those were, those were awesome at the time when I was at St. Mary's, I, I was always wanting to upgrade to the Vaughn V1s with the star graphic. That would have been my senior year. But um, back, um, uh, not Rogalski, uh, Ryan S., he, he was a freshman. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5.00 pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at even bigger payouts. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THP- THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. As there, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he was there at the same time as me, and he, he got the V1s, but he did like, different colors on each one they were kind of was he one of the first ones to do the like asymmetrical yeah (laughs) and i remember something was up with my pad like one of the top straps would come off and i needed to get it fixed so for intramurals i borrowed his and it was like right when the thigh rise came out and he had like a three inch thigh rise on a i was wearing a 34 these were like a 36 with like a four inch thigh rise they they probably came up over my hips i was like how do you skate in these things sir yeah. And he's like, I don't know, I, I love them. Um, but yeah, it's like, oh my god! But that was the first time I wore what you know, kind of the a newer the v- pad. Yeah, the V ones were they changed goalie pads at yep. the time, you know. Um, and the first time I was like, I need a pair of these. I mean, eighteen years later, I finally got a pair, but <laughs> I, I got the V nine instead of the V ones. Uh, but yeah, it's like, wow, th- these are awesome. Um, we- Weeksy brought that up and he talked about how like like he, the way Weeksy tells the story is incredible. But shout out Weeksy and his first kid, uh Princeton. Princeton yeah, Anthony that, Weeks. That was the greatest breaking news uh <laughs> video of his. <laughs> yeah, he definitely kept that trend going. Ah, but like he talked about it. He's like, you know, like the the V one really shaped where pads are today. Changed yeah. everything because it was the first true butterfly pad that was made for you to go down, seal the ice, and do what you got to do. Obviously, there's been evolution since then, but yeah, it's uh, that V1 was really, really a game changer. Well, um, I think even if we look at like what Bauer did with you know the Odin pad and everything, it's all an evolution of that V1 pad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I you mean, know, that's where it all stems from. Yeah, you, know, like you look at the uh, the family tree there. Who's first at the top? Great, 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 great grandpa's up there. So yeah, um, exactly. And 
You know, I, I think what's also, I think, awesome about Vaughn is we, we've seen him. In fact, we just saw the release with JRZ that they're going to stop making equipment, that there's been these brands over the years. They said that? Yeah, because they're focusing on making bags. And um, I think it was yesterday I saw it on social. They're, they're focused on making bags and skate steel. Huh. Uh, Interesting. But, um, you know, there's been some of these brands, even a brand like Heaton. I mean, obviously, we know why Heaton went away, but that was kind of a brand that you felt they could have continued the company. Um, you know, but Vaughn has just always been one of the stalwarts. You know, yeah, Bauer, CCM, at a time, iTech, they might get more of the guys in the pros, but Vaughn is just consistently there. It's, you know, they, they've weathered the storm. Yeah, the thing is, I mean, at the end of the day, I give it's really incredible where we are because it started out of a garage in Pontiac, Michigan. I don't know a comparable place in Minnesota, but Pontiac is not it's not Detroit, but it's a tough town. Yeah. It is a very tough high school to go to. Mike went there and started making chest pads out of a garage and would have people come measure them and build that. And now we you know, he's still the guy that's in building, right? We're a globally known company and to do that since 1981 and not be owned by any more major corporation for Mike to own his building outright. And just the way we take care of people, it's, it really is something special to be a part of. And a lot of people ask me like, Oh, you ever thought about, I couldn't do it anywhere else because there's so much pride in what we do. You know, we face our everyday battles, but there's so much pride and we have, you could call it grit. You could call it jam, but we stick to our guns on stuff where you can see there's a lot of things that are changing. Um, we are adapting and where we're at taking our gear and everything like that. We we're doing catching up, but where we stick to our guns and making sure that what we build for you, myself, a triple A little Caesars kid, a kid playing high school in Minnesota, that kid that won the, uh, God, I'm going to butcher that award, but whatever the award is for top high school goalie. Oh yeah, you're talking Ben Dardis. Uh, ben Dardis, yeah, unique name. <laughs> Dardis, yeah, and, yeah, and he plays at Madamidi, which is where or played. He graduated. That that's where my kids go to school. I couldn't um, pronounce that when he won it. I was I talked to Berkey, Adam Burkle, Minnesota guy, Stillwater yeah. Pony. His jersey's up in that rink apparently. Yeah, won it won at Denver, Natty Champ. I was I don't know how he I said it, but I I butchered motto medi like really so, bad he just started making fun of me for it <laughs> so minnesota has a lot of really unique city names and a lot of them are um indian names so you think, yeah. of, white, you think of white bear lake matamidi is actually on the uh east side of white bear lake and okay. matamidi is indian for white bear yep um but then there's uh new Ulm. many people who aren't mm. from here call it new Ulm. Because that's how they see. There's just all these different yeah. Indian ones where it's like, all right, let's see how um, uh, how good you are with these. It's kind of fun when the the local news stations get somebody to fill in on a weekend because they're giving them kind of a uh, uh, a tryout to see if you know, yeah, we're going to bring you in, and they'll they'll make them do the weather or something and throw in these hard to say cities just yeah. see how bad they butcher them. But yeah, Matamida is one of the harder ones to say but yeah it's it's indian for white bear well at least i'm not the only one that gets cooked and i'm not doing it on you know uh local t- tv and a news station which is yeah. even worse um yeah. 
but no, where, where we're at as a company and what we do, uh, you know, the one thing that we have found is it doesn't matter how many guys you, we have in the NHL. At the end of the day, we've, we work on finding the perfect balance to have and service the right amount of pro guys and make yeah. sure they get what they need. And we'll, we'll never deny anybody. We'll always make sure they're taken care of if they need help. But also a big part of this that nobody thinks about is how does it affect our retail? Like mm-hmm. We want to make sure that we're able to provide gear for consumers across the board, whether it's they need recreational equipment like an import version, that's a price point piece, or they mm-hmm. want domestic stuff. So much of that has to go into the business where people just think we give stuff away and, you know, like teams aren't paying for it, where pro teams order all their equipment for their players, right? Yeah. Like that's they all ordered it. and paid for. Um, and at the end of the day, we just want to make sure that we find the right balance of like, we want to take care of everybody else. But we also want to have guys in the NHL to show that what we're doing and what we're developing is working, right? Yeah. There's something uh, to you. You can't have nobody there. You can't not have a guy in the NHL because people are going to say, "Who's wearing it?" Like that's still a question, right? But at the same time, when kids go into stores, they're asking, "What's cool?" Well, I know I've been seeing on my TikTok or my Instagram that this, this, and this have come out. I want to go see that at the store, right? So like figuring out how to work all that is very interesting, but we stick to our guns and we're a blue collar company. And at the end of the day, we're still making stuff out of Oxford, Michigan, which is just North of Pontiac. Mike's still in there every day. You know, he, uh, so when we got to lace blockers, we'll take a day to lace all the blockers because that's pretty easy. He'll sit down at a sewing machine and he'll tack down the thumb. So the blocker sewers can keep sewing blockers. That's, that's who we are. We are, if you don't have anything to do, grab a shovel, pitch in. Find yep. a place. If you're not busy that day or you've been caught up, that's awesome. Find something to help out. Find a way to help out. Right. Well, Pitch in. Like my dad was a fireman for 30 years in Chicago. And mm-hmm. he worked his way up. He became a battalion chief. But when he was an officer, you know, he was a lieutenant captain, you know, and, and I went to work every chance I got with him because you talk about an upbringing. You you go to the firehouse in the south side of Chicago. Uh, is you know a 13 14 year old kid you're, you're gonna get an education <laughs> you're gonna see some shit <laughs> yeah seeing things we never told mom about and it was funny because when when mom was toward the end there we dad and i were telling some of the stories and she was just looking at us like what and i said well, well mom i'm telling the story now because i know you're not gonna get up and hit me and she just started laughing but um god where the hell was i going with this too many hockey pucks to the head um oh uh you know mike being there and not just like oh i'm the guy in charge i signed your paychecks him you know getting his hands or doing the work goes a long way because when my dad was an officer he could have just said you do this you do that and you know i I had got a message the other day from somebody and they're like you know your dad was respected because you know yeah he was in charge but he wasn't above anybody from doing the dirty work he said there was a time he demanded Take, they were doing CPR and somebody waiting for uh, an ambulance and it's a five man crew. So, you know, the four guys were taking turns, you know, five minutes and they're like, he demanded to be in the rotation. And we're mm-hmm. like, no, you don't have to be in you're, you're the captain. And he's like, no, I'm a part of this team. This is how it works. And, you know, Mike probably got that from, you know, being a Detroit guy and being around the auto industry. I remember one of the days I went to work with my dad, we went to the Ford Taurus plant on the South side, Very near cool. the Indiana border. And they're giving us a tour of the place. And the guy said, you know, all of the management, you know, up to a certain point, but almost all the way to the top at this plant, you do not get to that 
position without doing all of the jobs below you. Mm -hmm. You know, at that plant, you come in at the bottom and you literally work your way up. And, And they said that was really effective because they knew if one of the white shirts came down, looked at something, said, you should be doing it this way. They listened to you because they knew you did that job. Yep. They knew you you were you knew what you were talking about. And it's probably the same with Mike. He knows if he comes by somebody's sewing, he's like, you need to, you know, work, work on your stitching here or there. They trust him because he's done it. He understands it. And that that's probably why Vaughn has that that uh, work uh, not work ethic, but that that closeness on in the grit. That grit. grit. Yeah. That Damn. grit and that closeness of, of the the company. I mean, I've seen some of the posts about people, you know, it, it is a family there, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which and it, it all, all stems from Mike. Um, so my next question I have for you could, could be termed as um, controversial and we'll call Mike to uh, cover his ears. What is your favorite non bond graphic? It kind of changes here and there. Like, Oh, you know what? Uh, it wasn't my favorite. I'll tell you a pad that almost changed everything for me, though. I guess if that if that may help, yeah. was when the Brian. I was a freshman or sophomore in college, and do you remember when the Brian Zero G came out? Yeah, it was the lightest thing that you could get your hands on and touch. Now their gloves at that time were brutal. Yes, I think I I think I can say that, but. <laughs> Their gloves at that time back in 2012-13 were brutal. You put your hand in them and it was like closing the old Franklin glove and it just didn't feel good. <laughs> but that pad, they they figured out how to make a pad that was so incredibly light and felt so good. I wanted the Zero G so bad. And at the time, Chris Joswiak was the rep. And I still have, like if I look at my, if I pull up my Facebook messages now, I have messages from him that were archived from those that year when I was in college. I'm like, hey, like, I'm playing club hockey at Michigan State. I think I'm going to get a new set. Can I? Can you help me out? Blah, blah. He's like, yeah, just let me know what you want. And then, you know, being in college, obviously, I had uh, other priorities and other things money was going towards, so I just never followed up on that. So thank God, you know, right time, right place. Yeah. State of Vaughn guy uh, could have changed the trajectory and created an alternate universe. But, yeah, the Zero G pad was one of those creations that at the time I was like, cool, I, mm-hmm. I need this. This is so cool. Um. So in terms of graphic, I'm trying to think of anything else that pops out to me. I while well, you're thinking, I'll say mine, and it's no secret, mine is the Bauer Reactor Five, specifically okay. the way Belfour had it with the alternating black and white stripes. In fact, Ben Goudreau for Team Canada has that yeah. tribute set this year. Um, I'm probably going to have be talking to him after the tournament to specifically talk about that set. But when I had Eddie on the podcast, you know, I. I got him to confirm that the story behind those pads is he got them white first with some black accents. And when they came in, he's like, that's just too much white. He could have been, you know, the godfather of the all white. Well, Urbe was, but Belfort yeah. had been right up there with him. So he took a Sharpie in that first set that those black stripes were Sharpie that he mm-hmm. colored those in with. And, you know, so I asked him, I said, now, please tell me it wasn't, you know, the Sharpie like this. And he had to sit there the whole time. It was, you know, the fat head one. Yeah, and he just laughed and he didn't really confirm it. But he he did say, yeah, he sat there with his uh, equipment manager with a Sharpie coloring in those stripes the first time. Because after that, Bauer then, you know, put the black on there for him. But to me, um, if I ever went with the Bauer set, it would be a digi print of that. Yeah, for sure. No, it's... Uh... 
yeah like there's a lot of i mean people didn't like it i don't like it but i it was nostalgic to it because i remember seeing it all the time there's a kid out in anaheim he has the old rbk graffiti graphic which i oh, think is oh yeah hilarious. i saw that came back like, yes that's that so funny because it looks <laughs> i it's cool now but at the time when it came out it was just like what what look are you going for here like is this a street hockey pad then is this like what you know so i don't know it, it's, it's so a, ugly it's awesome yeah that's kind of where <laughs> it's at and like anything over time it naturally gets nostalgic right yeah so like it, it gets that little bit of rose colored lens to it so like yeah. it's something cool to see that's how um, the islanders fisherman jersey is i remember when that thing came out i bought one because i was like this is not going to last long but it is so ugly it is awesome yeah and the reality is the islander logo itself with the fisherman is actually really cool yeah but those colors and the way they had the flowing you know, it was lines. like '90s graphic designing, right? <laughs> oh God, some of those '90s jerseys are like I look back at it, just the '90s in general, and I'm like, what drugs were these were marketing and designers doing? Um, but actually, the FDNY hockey team has taken the Fisherman logo and kind of changed it a little bit to yeah. fit their stuff. You know, they, they changed that Fisherman hat to be a fire helmet and stuff, and it's pretty cool. Um, I, I do want to order one of those shirts because I, I, I like sporting the FDNY hockey team for the rivalry series. In fact, I don't know if you've seen it on YouTube. There's a great documentary called uh, I think Rivalry City talking about the FDNY NYPD hockey game. Yeah. How, you know, they've had the battles. Um, one of my teammates from St. Mary's is actually on the team, Jimmy Becker. He's the one that ran the NYPD goalie in the uh, ESPN game. Um, and he just, he lost an edge and um, it is what it is, but. Okay, so we've been talking a while. I apologize. I, I hope no, you're, you're good. on time. I feel like um, uh, Kevin Woodley, you know, uh, how how you doing on time? <laughs> um, in fact, Woodley, when I had him on, he was the only um, guest to ask me how I was doing on time. and was like, it's my show, Woody. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. That's um, beauty. That's Kevin. Um, yeah, so I, I end every episode with a list of 10 questions. They're the okay. same 10 questions I've asked every single guest. So those bantam goalies, uh, you know, women Olympic goalies, uh, uh, Olaf Kolzig, who's the episode before you for my hundredth. But before I get to those, I have to ask a question. What is your fascination with the Lonnie Kai? Because I have been there. And I don't know how that thing survived the hurricane uh, because it's not up to building code. We know it, that <laughs> it was, it withstands the test of time. I mean, my, my, one of the best stories I, I told for our like scary story episode, which weren't really scary. They're just goofy stories. Yeah. I almost got arrested in front of the Lonnie Kai. Yeah. So like that's it's I, and I never went there for spring break. It was just the one tournament. And then when you go back occasionally in Florida, you like, you, and you're in the Fort Myers area, you got to go for a little, you got to go, you got to go for a little rum runner and have a time. Um, yeah. You got to yeah, get in that dirty ass elevator and go up to the, the rooftop. Everything's <laughs> sticky. It's all wet. There's sand everywhere. It couldn't be a more disgusting place. Um, yeah. The, the like, fact that they made people wear masks in that establishment amazing. during COVID, it was like, if they I, weren't sick before COVID coming here, they're not going to be sick now. You're, you're going to get stronger being on the Lonnie now yeah. <laughs> than any other shot or anything else that you could take. You, you lick a wall on the Lonnie, you're basically indestructible. You're uh, you're pretty much safe. But uh, yeah. 
yeah, my it's just a it's a incredible incredible spot. And coming from college, like you're just back when I was younger, you used to just dumpy, sticky, wet liquor everywhere. The bar, like you put your arm down and then you got to peel yourself off of there. Your flip flops just <laughs> as you're rocking around the bar, and you know everyone's spilling and everything's a mess. We're just kind of used to that now. I'd rather not, you know, yeah. you know, like if Cam Johnson wins, you know, another cup, we might go down and have a couple drinks, but, uh, most of the time you kind of avoid being at the Lani. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a funny spot to be at. And it's one of those places where, like you said, it, when you see it, you see it and you know, for it, it's burned in your memory. You're never going to forget. Right. So. Oh yeah. I mean, it, and if you haven't had to take antibiotics after visiting the Lani Kai, you're lucky. You're fortunate. Uh, <laughs> you're fortunate soul. <laughs> yeah. Cause we, we had friends uh she, every summer she would go down to Fort Myers and her yeah. son wound up going to school down there and played for the junior Everblades. And so we went down there, you know, for my birthday uh, a couple of years ago and rented a house. Um, so they're showing us all around. She's like, we got to go to the Lani Kai. And we went up there for sunset. That's why we went to the Lani Kai, which that's probably why it's still around is because it's got one of the best views of the, the beach for sunset. But like, Go a little further down the road to the Junkanoo, which unfortunately got just wiped out. And it's like, yeah. that was actually probably a cooler bar, a little more laid back, you know, walk, walk right out onto the beach with your drink. It, it's like, all right, but yeah, I, I get why people go to the Junkanoo. I don't get why they go back. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I actually, um, I got one, one more funny story. I just remember about the Lonnie was, uh, there were a couple dads with us on a, on a tournament trip. One time we were down there and we we're out at the beach and like, well, this is in college and we're having drinks and stuff after we had lost one of the dads bought a pair of shots for himself and the other dad. Um, <laughs> the, the, the one dad bangs home the shot. They cheers, tap the table. He takes it. The other guy slowly kind of pulls it, you know, slowly taps the table and he's, he's had a couple too many throws it back. And when he did it, he did the whole head throw back like with it, like to really sink yeah. it back to the throat and get her down quick. And then you just kind of watched him like throw the head bob around. He just <laughs> looked down because this is out the outdoor bar where like there was a stool. He yeah. looked down into the sand, put his head, his forehead against the bar, just like this, and just everything that was inside <laughs> was on the beach. And that's that's the Lani Kai. Like that's what yeah. it is. And it's like you can't see that shit anywhere else. This is the no. best. <laughs> well, no, the thing about Fort Myers too, is like, you've got all the retired people that are down there. You got these old, overly tanned, leathery bags, leathery bag, men and women, you know, and yeah. the guys are wearing speedos. speedos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the women are wearing swimsuits. They should not be wearing either. Like I don't greased up, oiled up, ready to slide across the pavement. Right. Yep. <laughs> like it's just, it is, it's a place I'm glad I went and visited, but I looked at my wife. I'm like, I don't know if we'll be coming. Like we might drive through Fort Myers, but we might maybe go to Sanibel. We might go to, you know, some of the other, um, we're, we're too old for Fort Myers. We're, we're too old and too young. We're, we're in that in-between area for Fort Myers. It's all, right it's all time and place, right? Time yeah, place. exactly. But, you know, it was fun. Uh, we actually got a really good breakfast in some strip mall. It's, it's just, it's like the weirdest little place, Fort Myers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right. So the questions, what is the craziest coaching moment from your playing days where a coach just lost it? 
I, I've thought about this one a long, long time. So high school coach, um, no one's going to listen to this, so we don't have to name names. My friends might, though, if you clip this. So high school hockey, senior year, kind of just having a tough go. I had some stuff going on at home mentally. just I never figured out my shit, and I didn't understand. Like, I was always tense my senior year because of the coaching, and it was always constant, like one of those where, like, you're looking at the bench, like, I'm going to get pulled. I'm going to get pulled. So you can never yeah. really just sit in and, like, jam. And we yeah. had three goalies. It was a mess. No excuses, though. I'm just not good. Anyways, we're, we're in a high school game, big game guys running down the right wall and i remember exactly how i don't know how like i'm so photogenic about this moment but i can smell it i can feel the rink i can feel the people on the left side of me guys running down the wall in the first period right side coming down and he gets inside like he might be at the blue line just inside the blue line fires a wrister no big deal i was so scared because of me making a mistake would lead me to not playing or getting screamed at. Mm-hmm. I'm like, just take it off your face. Like I can do one of these. It's far enough away. Boom. I'll deflect it, put it in the corner. We'll keep going. Easily could have got my hand up, should have caught it, freeze it, you know, mm-hmm. shut down that play and we get going. They didn't score. At least I don't remember that part. I don't think they score. We got out of the zone and we kept moving. Team loads off end of the period. Like this is like there's two to three minutes left in the period. Everyone clears the bench. I'm getting off, going to the locker room. And my coach looks at me, and he was like five seven, thicker guy. I'm kind of getting to that point, so I can't make any comments. <laughs> very bald, very, very bald, and looks at me and he just starts screaming. He's like, What are you even doing out there? You're taking it off the beat. Are you even awake out there? And like I am, but I was so scared to make a mistake that I couldn't, I, my hand froze and I said, just take it off your face. And like, I've, I'm a short guy. So I've been, you know, you, like you learn, yeah. you see those NHL goalies. I think that's ridiculous. Like learning to deflect clappers off their face. Like that's, you're going to get a head injury, but anyways, you learn how to manage stuff and, you know, yeah. look it off and then what, whatever. I mean, I we've all done this with our head to stop a puck. It's like, it's yeah. coming there. Yeah. I, my head's already here. I, you know, this is, you know, yeah. it's easy. But it was far enough away. I should have caught it, deflected it. And he just started chewing out. You took it right off the bean. Are you even looking? What are you doing? Do I need to yank you? And I just stayed outside the locker room. I'm like, I'm not even going in there. Like, I'm so – I ended up finishing the game. We ended up winning. It wasn't a big deal. I can't even – I don't know if that was the Dakota game where we won the league and it was my senior night. But I don't know. It was, it was insane. Assistant comes out. He goes, you know, like, he just, he just wants to make sure you're focused. I'm like – I yelled at the assistant coach because I had to unleash. I go, I am awake. I'm paying attention. But the way he, the way everybody is about when we were playing there, you're on pins and needles to make a mistake. Where none of us are going to the NHL. None of us are going to play junior hockey. We're all just here to do our job. And I, mm-hmm. it's known that I compete 100%. But like the environment we're in, we can't, like you can't succeed like this. You know what I mean? So yeah. No, I, yeah, we, we've all had those alt. Not altercations, but uh, shouting matches with coaches. Yeah. <laughs> now, it, it was funny. My, my coach, freshman, sophomore year of high school, he was going to school to get his doctorate in psychology. Wow. And um, we, were not, we were not a good team. Uh, actually, going into freshman year, we're doing uh, power skating and everything, like looking around at the other schools and the talent they had. Like, we had the most talent, yeah. but we had individual talent. We didn't have team talent. So, Freshman sophomore year Catholic League play, we went one thirty-eight and one. That that was, and we're me and my goalie partner. We're seeing sixty shots a game. 
on average. So like that, my, my coach, like, thank God he was going to school to get his doctorate in psychology. Cause he's like, I saw pretty off pretty quickly that we weren't going to win a lot of games. So I had to find a way to still make it fun. Keep you guys interested. And he goes, that's where that psychology training came in, but he lived two, three blocks away from me. So he, you could still do this back then. He would pick me up for practice all the time. And even some games when dad was at the firehouse and mom was working and you talk about having the rink shrink. I literally had one in my coach and we still talk to this day, but you know, some of the times we've reminisced about it where it's like, you know, why weren't you pulling me? Why weren't you yelling at me in those situations? He's like, you couldn't handle it in that situation. He's like, but then the other times when you could, then I yelled at you. He's like, yeah, that's fair. Um, but he, he likes on the story. I was a huge Eddie Belfort fan. And morning after he was traded, I, we had a game. And he starts me, and I let in six goals in the first period. Now, some of them I should have had, but it, it wasn't a terrible period. We were just playing the best team in the league. But So he pulls me, and at the end of the year banquet, he goes, yeah, I learned one thing this year, not to start Joe the day after Eddie Belfour has been traded because he wears his morning band over his eyes, not over, on his sleeve. I was like, damn, that's a <laughs> – that hurts. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So next question, what's your favorite all-time goalie mask? Oh, masks. You know what the tough part is? I'm not a huge mask paint guy. Kyle's obviously, uh, he's my go-to for that. Let me think, yep. though. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is quick. I'm trying to think of all the guys that I loved. I mean, how you want to talk about some really cool ones back in the day, like not back in the day, shit. Uh, <laughs> when I was in high school, coming up through college, the Red Wings did a great job with all those winter classic Christmas. Like, do you remember yes. all those? Jimmy those, Howard's Christmas mask with the gingerbread stuff. Gingerbread man. Like those were always cool. Back when Peter was there, he was getting those too. Yeah. Um, those were incredible. Um, let me think. Iconic. I love to see it, but I hate it at the same time, just because it's not us, but otters otter is always mm-hmm. really fun. That's a fun play on that, on his stuff currently. Um, Nadelkovich's toque mask, I think, is really cool when the detail's done properly. The yep. toque look, the knit look is very, very fun. Yep. Um, it's it's a great look, but I feel like too many young kids are going with it. Yeah, you can't do it. It's like you, you do that one, like let one guy do that, and then we move on. Right. Right now, it's, uh, you know, probably when you were younger, the Steve Shield, you know, old goalie mask on the current goalie mask you know yeah with the ears and stuff yeah yeah which todd miska he was the one that did that for shield and he lives not far from me and i actually got to interview him for an in goal uh article i wrote about him and he talked about such a cool mask whereas like but so many people it's just it doesn't make sense for everybody to do it it's been done nice i think price had the jacques plant version like there's ways of doing it without it being the same one over and over yeah you know who's got a really iconic too, which looks brutal, was Marty B's. Like yeah. the way the dangler was and just the, the devil. And it was just so basic, but so iconic. Yeah. It's one of those that really stands out to you. You know what's and, funny? The Hashik, the Osgood, being a Detroit kid, like that's just yeah. that awful helmet that Ozzy wore with the brutal oh. HM 130 and then Hashik's goofy. Uh, HM 30. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wore a Hashik helmet in college for a year because – I got a really good concussion my freshman year. And Oof. it was because I had an old Eddie mask that was too big. So I was like, you know what? I need a new helmet. And so I, I went and got the Hashik helmet. I loved it. It was light. The, the you know, 
peripheral vision was amazing. And I didn't wear, like Hashik, didn't wear a dangler or anything. Um, whole time I wore, not an issue. First game back with this mask here, which ha- is, that was a Coho Heaton extended um, chin. Mm-hmm. Get a puck right up underneath. It was at practice. And it's just a laugh. I was like, of course. I go yeah. a full year without anything. And the only reason I went back to a mask is I got another concussion. When I took a slap shot right to the Cooper, cracked the Cooper. And my parents and coaches were like, it's time to go back to a mask. It's like, okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's a good look. I mean, you see it on, you know, the, the message boards like GGSU, you know, guys love it. And S, yeah. S has a uh, carbon fiber version of it. Um, who else was I talking to? Oh, Dusty Carlson's wearing one now too. That's great. Um, That's great. Which floors me because he used to have a Warwick in high school. It's like you have had one of the best masks and now you're wearing one of the worst masks. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I know, I mean, I grew up like when I started because the whole Hashik shit, I was wearing like it, not a C like the Hashik one. I was wearing a CCM helmet and I put the, I just took a big player cage and I just dropped it around. I didn't have any ear guard, like the yeah. ear extension on the cage. I just had my plastic ear guards and I wore that. And when guys started shooting harder as I got older in the like seventh grade and stuff, um, uh, my dad's like, no, nah, you gotta, you kind of got to wear a mask. But the problem is I have a huge head too. So like finding stuff that fit, the player helmet with the cage combo fit finding a yeah. mask in store where my face wasn't like here, you know, in the mask, it was impossible until I found an Eddie and my dad paid top dollar for it. But I had a PGD before that, which was brutal, but the Hashik one, it breathes nice. It keeps you cool. It's yeah. just not safe. <laughs> like right. at the end of the day, getting smacked with a puck on the cheek on that and that chin, just, you know, driving that force through you, not yeah. the way you want to wear it. So, yeah. Yeah, th- those Eddie masks were great masks, too. It was a yeah. shame to see them go. Uh, so what is your favorite rink that you've played at? I'm trying to think of some of the out-of-state ones. <laughs> um, I think uh, there's a rink here. It's called Oak Park. And it's got that old classic barn feel. Little Caesars plays out of there. Yeah. Your Michigan brother rice team plays out of there. Your uh, your brother's over there. And it's got the wood stand. The only problem is the stands are brutal. It's like um, high school basketball stands where there's a section oh, yeah. that's 10 feet long and it's fenced in. And it's low. If you built stands that were nice in there, it'd be really cool. But you, you look up and you got the wood beams. There's one of those downriver, too, that's pretty cool. But yeah, I think Oak Park's probably one of the best. But yeah, you know what? It's not cool, but it just has so many memories to me. Macomb Suburban, where I grew up playing high school hockey, I, yeah. I can still picture and I remember when you'd step out on the ice and you go for warm-ups and the songs playing. And the stands, like, I think people think I'm over-exaggerating, but the stands were packed. Like, yeah. you, we had more people coming to our games than people would go to AAA travel games because you know how that is. It's just your team, your family, no one's really showing out for those but when you have your high school friends play on your team, you go see them and people be going nuts. And I still remember Mac red, like my senior year, my senior night, last game I ever played in for, for the team before we got, I was going to swear really bad there <laughs> before we got bent over though, pretty hard by Lake Orion, which <clears throat> funny enough, senior year, Calvin Vaughn, Mike's kid played on Lake Orion. My, we graduated the same year after that Macomb, uh, when we played Dakota for Mac Red and we won Mac Red, my senior night, we went and played them in the playoffs. 
they crushed us and they were up like 9-0 going into the second. After eight goals in Michigan in high school hockey, if you're up by eight, after the end of the second period, the game's over. We My my last senior year, my last year of hockey, I didn't even get to touch the ice because they had the other kid going. Um, and we got ripped up. I think final score is probably like 10 or 11 by the time we got mercy, 10-11 to 1. And then we got off the ice. And then Calvin, Mike's kid, and Mike was on the coaching on that team. Ended up making a run to like semis or something like that. Lake Orin was really good that year. But yeah, that was a funny, funny cross. Before I even know who Mike was, I was playing against him and then they just ended <laughs> my hockey career. So thanks, Mike. Appreciate yeah. it. Well, it's funny you say that. So I had one of my college buddies, the other kid that was born in um, Korea and adopted here. He was playing high school hockey for Hermantown. He's in the state, play, state tournament and they're playing Benilde St. Margaret. The Benilde St. Margaret goalie is Dave Rogalski, the um, Rogie. Wow. Yeah. And so Rogie beats Nolsey and ends his high school career. And then Rogie goes, he starts playing junior hockey down in Texas. And uh, Knowles comes to St. Mary's and, you know, we're on the team together. And then junior year, we're at tryouts and Rogie is there. Or no, it was senior year. Senior year, Rogie's there. It was my senior year that Rogie and S came in. And Knowles was just like, you got to be kidding me. And so he's like, not only did Rogalski end my high school career, but he ended my college career too <laughs> because he got his spot. He's like, this is just ridiculous. Now, I, I want to get Rogie on my podcast, but Devils don't like their coaches talking. So like, I'm going to have to wait. But it's like, oh, Rogie, I got to get you. I got to get your side of the story. Um, cause if, if you've ever talked to him, he's a super nice guy, low key, like just yeah. let him go out, hunt and fish and play hockey. And he's happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I've, I've talked about it before. I mean, my time at St. Mary's, we had a lot of smart goalies. If only our bodies would have done what our minds told us to. Cause you can like, think the game, but man, physically, I just, yeah. my, my body's not there. <laughs> Cause I mean, we had Rogie who he's a Stanley cup champion now yeah. as a goalie coach. We had S there. Um, they, you know, we, we just, we had some smart goalies, just maybe not physically talented goalies. Um, yeah. Uh, so the next question, what is your favorite stick that you've used? Um, favorite stick. God, do you remember back when they were printing like USA and Canada and they had all those different graphics on, I think there was Shearwoods. Yeah. I had a couple of those. Those are some of my all time. Okay. I think yeah. they were way too big for me, but I was like, oh my God, I need the USA one because I had those USA Franklin pads at the time. I'm like, this is going to look so sick. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as a kid, I got one of those and that was one of my favorites. And actually, I was one of the only kids, I think, in in Michigan back when Vaughn was making sticks. Pranis had two of them and I used the Vaughn stick to complete my 7700 mm-hmm. setup and uh, it looks pretty sick. So gold yeah. outline. Yeah, those weren't bad. Those were based off, I think, the Montreal build. So those lasted a long time, too. Yeah. No, I, I like my Vaughn stick. It's awesome. Uh, I am using a Warrior right now just because I saw, again, on Pro Stock Hockey, they had a Colin Delia uh, Warrior that had a trigger grip. And I've been oh, wanting to try a trigger grip. So I got it, and I'm liking it. It's a, about three inches shorter than I typically use, but I was mm-hmm. – been here on in goal like shorter paddles a good thing so i'm like all right i'm gonna try it out um i like the trigger grip i still like the taller paddle but what's nice is now that i have one with the trigger grip 
I get a new stick that doesn't, I just use that other one as my You have template. a template. Yeah. Yeah. I have a template for get the router out. Boom. There we go. Cause that, um, that was always my thing. I was scared to cut it wrong. Well, now I have a template. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's once you have one and you, you like, cause you, even you could trace it out on paper and you have it forever. You save yeah. that wherever you need it. Um, but funny story about the, about sticks. I meant to bring this up earlier. So you talked about using a foam core and everything. I have a foam core and a composite. I grab the, I have a foam core with a baby blue logo for obvious reasons. Yeah. And I have a composite that I really like, but I always use the foam core just because it's better style. So it's all <laughs> about the look at the end of the day. Cause I'm not stopping pucks. I just got to look good. Well, it's funny you say that. There's a pro shop cross street from Southwest Ice Arena where I played most of my youth in high school hockey. Mm-hmm. Hockey Unlimited. It was run by a guy, Linus and his son, and they were both goalies. So like it was the place to go for goalies in Chicago because of that reason. In fact, I mean they carried K goalie equipment. They had everything. And they even had um their own white label stuff, ice gear. Um, really? Yeah, so they had ice gear. My goalie partner in high school actually had it, and he loved it. Um, but Linus would always say, it doesn't matter how good you are. It matters how good you look. <laughs> you know, because he was always trying to sell us stuff. Yeah. But, you know, that, that that was his thing. He's like, it doesn't matter how good you are. You just got to look good. You look good, you're going to intimidate people. And it's funny because, you know, as kids, you'd have that goalie come out, and, you know, like the latest and greatest stuff, and you're like, oh, he's going to be good. And now when you get to the beer leagues and when you see a guy like myself walk out with stuff from the 1900s, they're like, oh, shit, this guy's probably good. <laughs> you know, yeah. he doesn't care about how he looks. It's kind of funny on how that changes over time. Absolutely. Uh, so we're almost halfway through the questions. What's your favorite youth hockey memory? Youth hockey. Um, you know what? I think there's a couple of them, but back when we were doing roller and ice and we'd go on the summers and we'd go play roller and go to national champion or the nat- natty tournaments and stuff like that. We went to Buffalo and Mississauga and uh, going to Buffalo and we were staying at like this haunted hotel. It wasn't even about the hockey. We were running around like, and we were looking up all these ghost stories and stuff and yeah, we were doing stuff that kids do and playing in like the game room and like hanging out with other kids and, all those kind of actually no we'll take it back i don't even remember how old i was i think it was like 12 maybe 13 we we're at a hotel in detroit for i think it was detroit for a natty tournament at taylor sportsplex and we were playing mini sticks in the hallway of course and then these kids that i don't we assume they were from canada maybe they said they were from canada like oh you guys are playing mini sticks and we started playing and it was the most intense mini stick game i'd ever had because we didn't know these it was like you know like it's like playing pickup hockey against strangers except your kids so you're like oh like you've you've already aligned yourself well these kids are canadian we got to run the show here and we got to put these kids through the wall it was like like throwing bodies it was more physical than any game we'd ever played in our life at that point because we're 12 years old we're just banging bodies and throwing styrofoam balls down the hallway yeah so yeah that was one of the best so you talk mini sticks in the hallway so my son he's a baseball player doesn't play hockey and if we had house league hockey in minnesota he probably would have played but like okay. to him the commitment to what hockey is in minnesota he's like that's too much for me and i was like all right that's cool but whenever we play in the pond he still puts pads on all that but so he's a baseball player we're at a baseball his first away tournament we're down in rochester where the mayo clinic is and all the kids are talking about all right make sure you bring your mini stick we're going to play in the hallway it's like these are baseball players 
yeah. bringing their mini sticks for a tournament. And then we had talked to the boys, like, um, our tournament's in Rochester, right by the Mayo Clinic. So the hotels down there are a little bit different because you get people who go there for treatment, but stay at the hotels. So like the hotels down there, they all have recliners so that when you get back from the Mayo Clinic, you can relax. You can relax. And we're like, so it's not going to be a normal tournament. Like we have to be quiet in the hallways. You can't be yeah. running around and everything else. They're like, uh, what? And we got to the hotel and like every team from the tournament was there, but there were still patients there. And so the kids were really good. They didn't run around the hallways, but I swear every single kid from the baseball tournament was in the pool. It looked like a spring break cruise ship pool where nobody could move. My son was like, I was in there. I went underwater to get the ball and I got kicked three times from three different directions. I don't know what was going on. He's like, so I just got out of the water. <laughs> but yeah, then, it's like the Lonnie Kyan spring break, man. Was yeah. Packed. <laughs> yeah. But it was funny. Cause like, yeah, the pool is just packed. And then you had like all these kids from different teams. Like, oh, I can, I can lift this much. I can. So, you know, you had the kids trying to, do, and then, then you had the kids playing the claw machine and everything else. And all of us dads are just at the hotel bar. Cause the nice thing was when you checked in, you got two drink tickets. Uh, so it's like beautiful marketing there. Like, yeah, we'll get you liquored up and then we'll just keep taking your money. Yeah. But it was like, oh my, what a, what a shit show. Um, so what is the best chirp you've heard on the ice, off the ice, directed at you, directed at Kyle? Uh, <laughs> Man, it's tough being on the other end and getting put on the spot. Yeah. Um, my favorite is when you make when people made fun of each other for what they wore <laughs> and it was more or less like, Hey, bud, like, did you get dressed at, like, did you find all your stuff at Salvation Army? You freeze on me, Joe. <laughs> See that wouldn't have, no, I'm, I'm oh, there you are. Um, yeah, yeah that's, that's See, one that, of my that favorite. That would have worked with my team because when I was playing high school hockey, ska was the big thing at the time for my teammates. And, <laughs> That's awesome. And they would go to the thrift shop to buy, because that was the cool thing. And yeah. like, and because I went to Brother Rice, you know, we had to wear a shirt and tie to school yeah, yeah, and to yeah, games yeah. and everything else. So it was like, why are you guys going to the thrift shop for the clothes that like, I literally didn't change after school because this is what I wear to school. This is what I wear to games. And they're like, Oh, you know, to be cool. And cause, like the one kid, like he'd get these goofy sweaters to go over his shirt. Yeah. And, and I'm like, <laughs> it, and I, I would get my big old Sony Walkman on my side and put the headphones on. Cause I didn't want to listen to all the trumpets and everything else playing that was coming out of the boom you know what The crazy part is you got kids now that are doing the gritty post game. But back then you guys went a game and you got kids throwing on ska music and skanking in the locker room. That's oh, hilarious to picture. <laughs> yes. Well, not only like that, but like imagine I'm like in their, you know, uh, you know, basically I'm rather. You know, with like their nut cup on and like that's it skanking the ska music in the locker room. And that is my high school experience. The crazy part is like anyone that listens to this, I think 99% of people won't even know what's, what's ska. Yeah. What is, what, what, what's that? But yeah, like I, I had a little bit of that on my, when I was a kid growing up just with punk music and stuff like that, ska yeah. rolls in. 
hopefully we are introducing a genre to some young goalie and they're like oh my god this is now my pregame music just don't wear the clothes don't get into the culture just listen to the music don't fully fully buy it that that was kind of my thing like i liked the music but i'm like i am not gonna hang out with you outside of this like if i'm a goalie and i'm calling you a freak that's saying something yeah (laughs) you know yeah the, the, the nice thing about you know most of my team being like heavy into the ska scene is like, all right, I feel a little more normal. Uh, I feel validated. Although one of my buddies that was into it, um, he actually, two of my teammates had a band. There's four, four friends from high school. I had a band two of them were on the hockey team and they they put out a CD and they were opening for decent acts when they rolled through Chicago. But now my buddy, he is, I think he's the head of marketing for Goose Island Brewing. Oh, wow. Very cool. Funny thing is, even though he grew up in Chicago, he's a Red Wings fan. Lifelong diehard Red Wings fan. When the Hawks were in Stanley Cups, we were having phone calls where he's like, I'm having this like existential, like, what is wrong with me? I should be excited for the Blackhawks and their fans and the city's like, but I'm not. I want them to lose. I want to see the misery. And I was like, I respect you for that because I felt the same way about the Red Wings. As a Cubs fan, I felt the same way about the White Sox when they were winning. He's like, okay, so I'm not like weird. It's like, no. But now the Goose Island has a Blackhawks beer and, <laughs> and they put out some awesome videos. They got Chelios and Dennis Savard to do some videos and everything else. But TJ is sitting down with Danny Wirtz who runs the Blackhawks talking about this Blackhawk beer and everything else. And I sent him a message right after. It's like, uh, did Dan- as you were talking to Danny, does he know that you're a diehard lifelong Red Wing fan? And he responds back to me. He goes, I've been waiting for this text, knowing that the video is going live today. <laughs> he knew like, someone's going to give him it. Yeah. Oh, not only did it, that somebody was going to give him it, but he knew it was going to be me. Yeah. Um, but uh, TJ, he, he could have been a goalie with his personality. We always had practice on Christmas in high school. And so the one year he came out on the ice wearing a Superman cape, He's like, well, I might as well wear my costume on the ice since I can't go trick-or-treating. Yeah. He's skating around. It's just the goofiest SOB. But he did a uh, Blackhawks Red Wings watch party with Goose Island. And they brought in Chelio since he played on both teams. But then they brought in Eddie Belfour and uh, Darren Payne to moderate it. And he's like, this is when it's going to be. You got to come in. I was like, son of a bitch. I forget. In fact, I think I was going to Fort Myers during that time i think that's when i went as like i want to be there but i can't i got other stuff going on it's like well send me whatever you want autograph so i sent my belfort jersey uh his rookie card um and uh a puck and stuff and so he signed them and everything and it was really cool and then i wound up having eddie on the uh podcast and he's like i remember that uh deal but one of the cool things is on this rookie card of his it's from a preseason game and his jersey it's number 31 yeah. So Eddie signs the card with number 31. That's funny. Like the attention to detail is like, that's pretty cool. Um, all right. I'm going to try and keep going. What is the worst post game beer you've had? Post game beer? Yeah. I, to be honest, I'll give you this is really easy for me. Anything that's like a craft, just because of like my body and it's an asian thing obviously it's it's lacking of a protein because i couldn't figure this out in college because i'd get sick 
not from drinking too much, just having a couple and you get sick and you throw up everywhere and you go into instant hangover. But there's a, a protein that Asians, some Asians, it's a gene thing, whatever, way above my mental cap- capabilities. But I do understand this. There's a, a protein we lack or there's an enzyme or something that we lack that breaks down basically what would be hops. Yep. There's something in alcohol where like if I have an IPA or I have something that's like crafty, uh, that's quote unquote, you know, exquisite. I'll go into like the worst hangover mode where like, you know how like you wake up and you're banged up and you got like a headache and you just feel yeah. awful. It happens like instantly and it won't go away for hours. And I'd rather do, I'd rather get, you know, a puck to the, to the eye, no mask yeah. on than deal <laughs> with that ever again. Like now I know what I can and can't drink being 29 and, going to Michigan state and drinking Monday to Monday. Like I, you figure that out pretty quick, but you, you learn what you can and can't have by making a couple of mistakes. So like anything that's craft IPA special, even like, I think it is goose Island. They make the three, one, two. Yeah. Like I tried, I was like, Oh, those three, one, twos look good. Blah, blah. Awful. Well, not, not awful, but awful for me. Yeah. Like I loved, I can have like one summer shandy before I die summer shandies are great those i like it has like good taste but there's something about it that yep. that just messes me up but but yeah so no i like that i knew about that because my buddy nolsey yeah same thing but because he rarely ever drank like two sips and he'd be shit-faced yeah and so we're freshman year watching the state tournament and it was great freshman year watching the state tournament was like eye-opening to me because i had no idea and like even in college, teachers are like, oh, you're not coming to class because you're watching the tournament. I get it. You're on the hockey team. Like, it was acceptable. Yeah. Um, but that game against Benilde St. Margaret, where Rogi ended Nolsey's career, there was a breakaway on Nolsey. And the guy made a move, Noles bit, and he slides it between his legs. Every single time they went to commercial, they played that clip. No. So, yeah that next year and so we're all you know good good teammates every time they're going to commercial and we're sitting there with nose like oh you're gonna stop at this time oh no it wouldn't like every <laughs> single commercial for an entire week and he's like i hate you guys that's you're the worst. but you know so we're like well have a beer get over it and that's yeah. when we all learned about this thing in like two sips and not only did he like start to get sick but like he would puff up like he, he was it's an allergic like, it's a it's a, an allergic reaction 100 yeah, like his his throat wasn't closing up but like his face would just kind of puff up yeah and it, it was just the funniest thing because like two drinks is just the funniest little guy little guy you know sitting there drunk puffed up and then we're picking out of every commercial break and that's a tough go for that poor guy but uh no like i i'm way past two drinks um you know you give me some bud lights or bud heavies and just shots of jameson i've learned that anything that's like a higher it sucks because it's expensive but higher end liquors Mm -hmm. you know like i can handle but you give me some jmo and some bud lights and we're gonna have a time so well and so i i brew my own beer at times so very cool you know the, the the thing is with the domestic light beers it's oftentimes they substitute um some of the grain with rice so I'm guessing the fact that there's less of that grain, it, the protein's probably in the grain. So if they're substituting the grain with the right. rice, that that's probably why you're able to have more of those domestic light beers versus the 
better tasting craft beers but yeah i mean uh, it's just water but at the end of the day when you're trying to bury eight and have a couple shots and go 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 rip up the lonnie kai they go down just the same you know what i mean yeah exactly (laughs) well they're they're great after a game too so when you tape your sick eagle heel to toe or toe to heel um it's always toe to heel always toe to heel i don't know why okay you don't know why i I think I thought that going toe to heel would create that little bit of grip when pucks come off, but obviously mm-hmm. when pucks come in at, you know, 80, 90 and they got the spin, your tape doesn't do shit for you. I mean, outside of giving you a little grip rather than having a, like a comp, a comp stick, it's going to come off even hotter. So it's interesting. You say you thought it would give you a little bit of that extra grip. Cause when I talked to Connor Beaupre, the wildy bug and Don Beaupre's son, he goes toe to heel. Cause he likes to play the puck a lot. Yeah. And he feels going toe to heel, he gets less friction, less grip for the puck to come off the the blade. Huh. And yeah, I so, mean it's just one of those things that we do as goalies that like once you've started doing it, you've you've aligned like psychology wise, your brain's made a yeah. connection as to why we do it. It doesn't but, mean it's always right, but your brain did something. Yeah. Oh, I know why I go heel to toe, and it's twofold. One is I used Christian sticks. For a okay. long time, both in youth hockey and in college, we even got them. And if you know anything about Christian sticks, that heel was a sponge and it would just yeah. absorb and it'd go like that. And so you had to cover that heel. So he, when you tape over that heel, that's where I'm going to mess up my tape job. So I rather, if I'm going to mess it up, not have to retape the whole stick and just start that little bit. But then Hoshik was Blackhawk when I first started and he would go halfway up that paddle. So yeah. you, the sticks out in the garage. My first stick that I owned was a Titan, the San Jose Colors, because I, I was playing for the Sharks. And I still have that stick. I had Bobby Hall and Sam McKee to sign it. But oh, you look cool. at it, and I have the tape job halfway up that paddle. You know, heaviest damn stick you'll ever find. How, hey, how can we make it heavier? You want? Hey, you got any dumbbells? Tape them to the back of this bad boy. Yeah. Well, and on top of that, the knob is probably like a Holpe knob, like that big. It's just like, oh my, I laugh looking at that thing now. And it's a straight blade too. Yeah. And I was like, dad, what, why are you getting me sick with the straight blade? He's like, well, you know, you're, you're still learning. Maybe you'll wind up, you know, being, you know, a left-hand goalie. And if anything could happen. Yeah. I was like, all right, it makes sense. But it's like, I didn't care. It matched my team jersey. It was a senior stick. I'm a squirt with this senior stick like this, but yeah. Should never you know owned that stick. You know what's funny? One time I broke a stick, and the only stick in the rink that they had, like this is mid game, and I it was when you're a kid, you only have one. They yeah. bring me a stick, but it's a full right. That's all they had for me to use. And after that, I was convinced, and I I just remembered this. I was telling my dad, I was like, no, I need, I think I need these because yeah, it deflects, and it was like kind of like a softer curve or whatever. It was like a like a like a, like a wedge. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it was a full right. And I was like, yeah, when I get rebounds, I can just scoop them and throw them back into the corner. And my dad's like, you're so dumb. But you know what? If you think that that's going to help, you can use this as long as you want. And then eventually, you know, five hole goal gets let in because stick's not flat because it's not yep. meant to lay this way. And uh, I, was, I got got all that quickly. But I remember there's a point in time where I was convinced. I'm like, oh, the backward stick makes more sense because now I can just scoop pucks and throw them away. <laughs> okay, so there was a goalie who played for Fenwick High School when I was in high school. Uh, My buddy went to Fenwick, yeah. Yeah, he was he was playing with Timmy Stapleton. Timmy sc- probably scored a couple goals on me, but we won't go there. Um, but he had the backward stick, and he would use it 
because when he played the puck, he did the old Andy Moog style of turning it over. And when he did that, now he had the curve the way he wanted it. Yeah. And he was very good at playing the puck, though. So I'm like, how many goals went in because he had the wrong curve? Just so you might be able to get the puck to your defenseman. Yeah. Um, Yeah. My my thing with Timmy Stapleton, you know, on Chicklets, he talks about how he would go to these skates with Billy Zito when he was still a player rep. And he's like, yeah, Zito just saw something in me and, you know, started talking to me and get, you know, got me playing pro hockey. And I'm sitting there, I'm going between my junior and senior year, I was home skating at Johnny's ice house. Like I did every, it was great. Cause I was working an internship at ABC news and I met the guy cool. playing rat hockey at Johnny's. And so we both, he knew like I needed to go to rat hockey in the morning and then I'd come into the station. That was That's such a Chicago deal. thing is rat hockey. My buddy, my, one of my roommates from college, my best friend, he said rat that only Chicago kids call it yeah. rat hockey, but yeah. Go ahead. Well, it's because <laughs> the rink rats are the ones that go to it. You know, that, that's, yeah. that's why it's called rat hockey. So, you know, I, I'm at rat hockey and uh, Billy would skate with us all the time. He was a fantastic player, you know, played over in Europe and you knew he was good because he had the ads all over his breezers. Yeah. Um, but uh, some of his players started coming in at the end of the season and they were skating with us and, I mean, they, they were nice. They, they weren't going all out or anything. But, you know, one of the guys at Red Hockey, he was missing half of his fingers on one hand because of a construction accident. Oh, we had, and I knew him, so I was always picking on him. I'm like, you need to hold that stick tighter to get a better shot. And he's like, you're an asshole. Um, <laughs> we had the one guy I just called Morris because he was like Morris from Slapshot, just talking about the worst stuff, you know, with the ladies in the locker room. We had Father Murray, the 72-year-old retired Navy chaplain. Yeah. So Billy winds up getting the ice before rat hockey for his guys and gets a few more NHLers, AHLers come and start skating. And it's like the second week and they're like, Hey, we need a goalie tomorrow. Do you want to come skate? I was like, yeah. So then I spent the rest of the summer skating with them. And so I'm sitting here go- listening to that Chicklets episode at Stapleton. I'm like, all right, you skated with Billy and he saw something in you. I was like, I skated with Billy too. And he never talked to me. He didn't even ask me to come to his skate. It was uh, Joey Corvo did. And I was like, this is some shit. <laughs> like, I, I, I almost want to reach out to Zito and be like, so I, I was just a live shooter tutor for you? Like nothing? What, what, what's up? Because I skated against Stapleton in high school, and he, he wasn't necessarily lighting up the league by any means. So there was yeah. a kid from Mount Carmel and a kid from Maris that were, you know, the the ones to watch. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's awesome. So oh, we're almost, you know how this goes. You, you get somebody that starts talking and the conversation goes, you go. It's a it, riff. Right? That's uh, how it is. What's your favorite number to wear, but also why? Man, I, I've been all over the place. Wore 30 in high school. Sometimes I'll wear 33. Sometimes I'll put on 39. Um, I mean, Hashik obviously is a 39. Yep. Patrick Waz a 33 because he's a psycho, and obviously I am too. So, like, <laughs> just it's the way she goes. Um, but you know what I think is really cool right now? Like, one of one of my – the one not mine. One of the goalies I deal with, uh, she's playing Little Caesars, boys hockey, AAA. I, I believe the world in this kid, and I can't wait to see what she does, and she's going to be big time soon um as she gets older she's wearing 70 i like that new wave of kids yeah. me and kyle I, I don't know if you heard that one me kyle and evan i think evan was on it we were talking about uh how it's shifted like it doesn't matter now for goalies like there's no, no number i think kachekov wears like 
was it Kochekov or somebody wearing like 60, 63 or something? Yeah. Like there's this new wave where like it's just a number. And that's that's what it's always been. And you you and I both know like hockey's a historic thing and it's you know built in tradition and all that stuff, but it's changing now as the world is. And uh, I think it's kind of cool to see kids wearing different numbers. So well, do you know the story and why like all the original six goalies were number one? No. So back in the day, and, and I got this from Bobby Hall. Um, so I believe it back in the day when teams traveled by train, you were assigned your sleeping berth based on your number. Okay. And the lower the number, the bigger the sleeping berth. So oh. they always wanted the goalie well rested. So they gave them number one. And that's why, you know, you look at guys like Gordy Howe, Bobby Hall, all of those guys had single nine, seven. Yep. The best players got the, because Bobby Hall, I believe his first number was, um, two, when you, no, it, it was a double-digit number or something. Oh. Um, uh, but when they saw, oh, you're going to be something, now you got a single-digit number. Yeah. So that's why so many goalies, you know, were number one because they Terry got the Sawchuk. Biggest... Yeah. Uh, in fact, I, my favorite Gump Worsley story is the reason he retired is he was fly, scared of flying on airplanes. They weren't traveling by train anymore, so he retired. He's like, nope, not getting on an airplane. Yeah, hard no, hard no. Yeah. So. So the last question, because I've taken up over two hours of your time already, what advice do you have for young goalies? Um, oh, you got another hour? <laughs> sure, I'm good. It's just snowing here. The longer we talk, the less I have to shovel the driveway. Uh, that's what you got kids for, right? Like that's the whole point. You have kids. I got two teenagers. I'm just <laughs> waiting for them to wake up so I can be like, and it's it's not deep enough where we need to fire up the snowblower. So it's gonna be all right, Gus. You need to go out and shovel the driveway again. You want to talk about specs on a shovel. I'm a big long shovel guy. Oh right? yeah. I, I you, got one. You got to go long shovel. You you do it as a plow. I'm not, I don't, I see like people like lift and, you know, lift and uh, lift and throw. I'm not a lift and throw guy. I'm a plow guy. You yeah. walk it down, you push it, you start in the middle and you work your way out. But yeah. uh yeah. When, when we had our backyard ice rink, I got the big long one for that reason. And so use it on the driveway and you'll appreciate this. Growing up in Chicago where, you know, you got the sidewalks all the way down and everything. Um, when I was little, my dad started clearing the block because we, it was a lot of elderly people lived on our block. So oh, he would yeah. get out there and shovel when he was at the firehouse. Well, the old guy two doors down had an early snowblower, single stage snowblower. And he goes, here, take this. He's like, I'm too old. I can't use it anymore. And you're doing the whole block. Just make sure you get ours done and you can have this. He's like, okay. Well, then I got big enough where I could start doing it. So I would start doing it. I would wake up early before school, get the, you know, block cleared. I would, you know, stay up late and everything else. And I never charged these old people, but I come home from school. There's a couple bucks, you know, in an envelope from the old lady across the street, a couple more down. Um, and that's how I funded buying my own goalie equipment as a kid. Oh, that's awesome. Mom and dad. They would buy like my leg pads, but other than that, I bought my own gloves. Um, one of my favorite blockers is actually that Osgood Vaughn with, you know, the V on there. Yeah. Um, I, I remember buying that at Hockey Unlimited. But then there was the days where there were the two old ladies, Grandma Kovats and Marge, that lived across the street. They were good bakers. Yeah. So if, if it was a good snow, I would get, you know, five, ten bucks from them, but then they would bake something for me. Oh, we had this little yeah. like entryway in our house. So even if we weren't home, they could open the screen door and put it in there. 
So it's always like, all right, I got to get home from school before dad does and eats my baked goods. Yeah. <laughs> so, Absolutely. yeah. But uh, back to the question, advice for the young goalies. Advice for young goalies. See, me, because I was so bad and such a head case, I, I try to like look at the mental stuff of an athlete and the way kids think and operate and the pressures they go through. So like you could have a goalie coach that works you out, that does a thousand drills. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes kids have a hard time of thinking and like relaxing and just getting into hockey. Uh, the, the I'm going to give you a two piece Two, ask your goalie coach to come see a game. I, I'm very fortunate enough. I'm very extremely fortunate in the, in the fact that like the kids that I was coaching or were starting out coaching um, through a friend, shout out Dave Zubin um, have brought me on to be an assistant. So I'm around more. So I get, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I don't know how to put it nicely, but like there's, I'm compensated for time to show up at games, but because I go to games, I understand. I see what's going on where I think a lot of goalie coaches, you get privates with a kid and you're, you're going to work. What, what do you want to work on? And they'll tell you this, that, or the other thing, but it like to truly get into a kid and develop them. What are they missing in games? Mm-hmm. And the other thing is you don't need to, just because a kid makes a mistake on a Monday, doesn't mean we're going to spend Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, correcting it. It could be a one-off. Right. Just keep working on the overall picture. Now, if it happens, you know, twice one week and then, you know, for the rest of the, the month, he, he keeps having an error with like sticks control or, you know, a bad read on a, on a, uh, a line rush, then we fix it. But uh, have your goalie coach come to a game once a month or something. You're paying a lot for private lessons. The least they can do is find yeah. some time to watch your game on Live Barn to to you know whatever come see you do anything spend some time if they if they give a shit they will um but i think the other thing too that a lot of kids might get caught up in because i understand hockey parents now and i think hockey parents i've talked to parents that have kids that play multiple sports hockey parents are different because of the amount we pay for the sport as you know joe like yeah you're i i me and Berkey were talking about it. Something that some number came out with Minnesota where like a kid pays 40,000 for whatever. I, I don't know if that's the right number, but 40,000 for the season. And it broke down association coach gets this players oh, yeah. get this resources, whatever. It's an outrageous number we're moving past that. We pay top dollar as parents to get your kids to play hockey. So I think because of what we pay, we expect, especially with now in today's society, we expect value. I want this. I want that. I paid yeah. for this. Right. Um, and the parents, because of that, outside of what their coaches are telling them and this and that are putting a ton of pressure on kids to show up and do this and do that. Mm -hmm. My advice is every time you get on the ice, you just have to get 1% better. You're not going to jump leaps and bounds in a season. Every time you get on, just work on trying to be a little bit better, whether it's a skill or your attitude or your focus or listening to a coach or doing anything, you can get better at so many different skills. And that's 1%. Yep. And it's no. not always a tangible thing. That's great advice. Cause when I was in college, I ran track one year and, and I did it because you had to have PE credits, but if you played a varsity sport, you, you got credit. So like, <laughs> with hockey, I was like, well, there's one credit, but two of my buddies were running track. It was in the off season. like, this will keep me in shape. Yeah, but I had never run track before and everything else. But uh, so I talked to the coach. He's like, "Yeah, you can come out." Like, he's like, the, "The great thing about track is it's a team sport, and that the top athletes compete for our team score." Mm-hmm. He goes, "But we have enough of you where then there's the rest of you where it's an individual sport." He's like, "It'll be the individual sport for you." He goes, "I just ask that you show up every day and give maximum effort, 
and each race you try and set a new personal record. Mm-hmm. I showed up every day. I ran as hard as I could. Some days it didn't look like I was running hard, but I, I was huffing and puffing. I was giving it my all in every race, even though I finished dead last. I was one of the happiest guys. I was like Eddie the Eagle in uh, that yeah. movie about that. <laughs> like I was smiling because I knew I gave it my best and I set a new personal record every race. And it was yep. funny because my, my last race was after I finished finals for the year. So my mom and dad were coming up to move me out. So they drove all the way out to St. Olaf because that's where the, the race was. So rather yep. than just driving to St. Mary's, the uh, six hour, six, seven hour drive from their house in Chicago, they had to drive like another two hours. Yeah. And I ran one race that day. Uh, it was the 200 meter. And I was on the outside lane. And I come in dead last. And my dad goes, well, you know, good job. You, you know, you didn't finish last. I go, dad, what race were you watching? And he yeah. goes, well, there, there was the, per, you know, two people off to the right of you. I said, those were the warm-up lanes. They were just jogging, getting ready for their races, Dad. I came in dead last. And he goes, I drove an extra two hours to see that shit. <laughs> it's like, thanks, Dad. <laughs> Appreciate it. Good thing but, I'm done. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the coach is like, hey, like, it, it's to your point. It's show up and just incrementally get better because – where I was at the beginning of the season versus the end of the season was very different. Yeah. And, you know, you're not going to see those incremental improvements every day, but when you look at yourself retrospectively, then you see it. Yeah. Um, my last tip though, and I just had this conversation with a kid, uh, one of my our kids yesterday. Um, and I've had this conversation before because I've dealt with this. And it was kind of like what I talked about earlier is you have to find a way to not, and you've heard this, we've all, somebody said this to you in your lifetime, block everything out. And it's not about, it's not just, it's so, if we could all do that and you could tell a person that's not having a great year or whatever, just be happy. Oh, (laughs) we'd be in a lot different world. Things would be great. You know, people would be as uptight as we all are right now. Um, But what I told them yesterday excuse me, is block out what your coach says, block out what your parents are saying, block me out. Don't worry about doing anything for anybody else outside of yourself. The reason, and now I understand it's a team thing. I'm not taking away from our team, but the reason we play goalie is it is a self-fulfilling position on what we do and what our abilities are and how we make saves and how we choose to handle ourselves. Yes, we are a part of the team, like you said, but we're at the same time, we're very much on an island. Don't worry about what your coach is going to say, whether you do something right or wrong. Don't worry about what your dad thinks. Don't worry about what the parents are saying. Zone in on what you're doing in the game. Go get the next one. Whatever, however you yeah. want to phrase it, like every, a lot of people are go get the next one, make the next save. What can I do to do this? Whatever you do, don't worry about all the outside factors. Play hockey and play goalie for yourself because. Right. There's so much mental shit that we have to deal with, whether it's getting dressed or how we prepared or what we're doing and what we're thinking about. And then if you throw in, oh, man, I didn't make that save properly. You know, my goalie coach is going to be upset or, oh, I didn't handle that rim properly. You know, my D got banged on. The coach is screaming at me. Oh, no. Even if that's happening, practice every time not listening to them because they can chew you out after the game. After the game, look back at everything review make changes and then let it go let that leaf go down the river but afterwards 
verify whether or not you had a good or bad game. But in the moment, just worry about doing it for yourself. Go get the next one. Figure out what your match is going to be, but don't let all the outside factors of parents, what the scout sees, what somebody else sees affect how you do it because you're just going to end up in quicksand mentally and you might as well not even be in the net at that point, right? If you're worrying about what everybody else thinks about you and that goes in life too, right? Like that's, you transfer that out. Don't worry about what everybody else is thinking. Just do it for yourself and go out and get the next one and phase out all the negativity or anything that anyone says to you because you're the one in the net. You're the one that has to handle all the pressure, right? So, yeah, no, that's great advice. And, you know, I, yeah, it's a goalie. And if, if you're being a little selfish and doing it for yourself, well, if you do it for yourself and you do well, you're still helping the team. So yeah. it, it works out. So, well, we've been talking a while because uh, the conversation went well. That's what happens. And I appreciate it. Just so Griffin, that's all a podcast yeah, is. Yeah, it's just it's just goalies talking to other goalies. And I, and I love it. Um, we need more of it. So thank you for taking time out of your morning. Uh, thank you for helping me get uh, – that awesome set built and out on the ice. It's been amazing. Every time I go out there and I see other goalies, we're we're always talking about it and I sing nothing but praise for Vaughn and you. And so thank you. Um, It's been fun. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. I'm, I was ecstatic because I didn't again, like know how that was all going to turn out. So it was a big experiment for us. So I'm really excited the way it turned out. Um, And we'll always be here. You know, like that's another big thing about us is what I pride myself what I pride myself on being a part of Vaughn is we always do the service end of things because yeah, we built it, you have it, but if no one helps you out afterwards or no one has questions or answers for your questions or response to you, like it's kind of a wash, right? Yep. So you got to take care of people, but thanks for, I apologize a couple minutes late. We're rolling out of bed this morning, a little banged up oh, after last night. So don't worry. Um, no. But yeah, thank you for the time. It's, it's cool to be on the other end. So yeah. And you know, you talk about the service, that first year I had my original Vaughn legacies, uh, you know, after a full year of skating six days a week in college, um, one of the straps at the top was coming off and there was a seam down in the boot starting to come loose. And this is in the early days of email. I found a email on the Vaughn website and I sent it. And it's like, Hey, I, I got this happening with my pads. You know, what do you recommend? And they said, what's your address? We're going to ship you a box send them back. We'll repair them. And if we can't repair them, we'll send you a new pair. I was like, well, crap. Uh, you know, so part of me is like, oh, I might be getting a new pair of pads here. They did some kind of repair, put a new strap on there, stitched up the boot better than if they were new in all yeah. honesty. And it was, and they said, ship both of them back. And so whatever they did on the one that needed the issue, they did the same exact repair on the other uh, pad just so that I didn't encounter that in the future. And that was service. And I mean, this was 20, almost 23 years ago. And it was just, you know, they, they, they paid the postage to ship a giant box out and then they paid the postage for it to be shipped back to, to Michigan. And it was like, that right there is what made me a Vaughn customer for life. Oh, we appreciate having you buddy. And uh, like I said, you need anything in the future, you let me know. All right. Oh, you know, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll call Tori and say, Tori, get out on the line. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. It up. Awesome. So. Well, thank you. And uh, oh, before I, where can folks find you and or Vaughn on social medias? Man, if you're not following Vaughn, you're making a big mistake and you should just end the show yeah. now and just don't worry about it. We're past it, you know, but yeah. uh, you know, Vaughn custom sports, check that out at Vaughn custom sports if you can't spell vaughn again we just need to move on 
Um, I'm going to give our other pod a pump here between two post podcasts, new episodes every Wednesday as well. We talk about goalie stuff, not as well as this one, but we try, um, that it's at B two P podcast. So between two posts, uh, you can Google it, whatever, search it. And then me, um, you can catch me at, at B O M M A R three, three bomber 33. I post a lot of garbage, um, a lot of fake jam stuff. And I just try to talk about how I'm a big blue collar guy and, uh, grit. And sometimes we're in, uh, you know, gang stuff and, uh, it's all just, it's all about having fun. I think the other problem is a lot of people take my shit seriously. Um, and a lot of the stuff I post is like jokes, ironic, you know, yeah. not really real like when i posted that picture of three blockers with my arms up like that's all funny like it's not meant to be taken serious or when i posted that we got bought by espn which would never happen right like oh my god congrats i had people afterwards weeks telling me when they'd see me they'd be like oh my god ever like you blew up like i saw they sent you like a table and everything i'm like i'm not even on a real desk i posted a picture of a like a, a shitty folding card table uh a TV, a small TV monitor and my laptop. And you think ESPN sponsoring that? But <laughs> I think that it's funnier that people think it's real than yeah. anything else. So like I get the jokes either way, but no, yeah. I, I get them. Uh, but yeah, yeah no, th- thanks yeah. for adding the, the po- podcast one in there too. Cause I was going to mention that cause you know, I not to toot my own horn, but I, when it comes to goaltending, I think there's three podcasts goalies should listen to in goal for the obvious reason. Yep. And then between two posts, because, well, I think our formats are similar in that it's just conversations. Yeah. You have different conversations with the goalies about, you know, and so it's, they're, they're different uh, approaches, which is awesome, you know, yeah. and there, there's room for both. And I think uh, they're both great. I'm biased on mine, obviously, but um, no, it's, it's one of those must listens to every week for me. Well, the thing is, we don't talk about anything serious. Like some guys, like we had Adam. Minnesota boy, yeah. Carlton. And I was able to dig up a bunch of stories from Esser and some other friends from like the coast and rapid and stuff. So that was just a story. Yeah. We had Joe Ranger and we really weren't able to get info on Joe. So we just asked him about his experience and a bunch of goofy Canadian stuff too. To like, it's just the whole thing is we just want to have fun with it. Nothing serious. Yeah. And uh, it's all just, uh, it's all jokes. So what I love about your podcast is you do talk a lot about the experience, especially like junior hockey and college hockey. And I, I think it gives those young goalies the, the true understanding of what it's all about. It's not just showing up to the games. It's, you know, yeah. Practices are sometimes at weird hours or yeah. all the time. And you get these coaches, you know, like Kyle's at, kicks a Christmas tree and tries to cancel Christmas. Um, yeah. You get, you know, the, the, the bus rides and everything. It's not as glamorous as we sometimes think it is, but looking back, it's part of the fun. I, it, it reminds me of my son. He was a boy scout for a while and he went camping up in Ely, Minnesota in February. It was 30 below and they're sleeping outside. And I asked one of the dads about it and I go, so how was it? He goes, if I'm being honest, in the moment, it was miserable. But when we look back, it was amazing. And I that's think awesome. some of junior hockey and at times college hockey and even pro hockey, that's kind of what it is, too. Like, in the moment, you're miserable. It's shit. It's yeah. You're going through the trenches. But when you look back, yeah, incredible right. memories. Exactly. But I, I don't think kids are ready for that. And that's what I think your podcast does a great job of explaining that that reality so hopefully they're better prepared so we we appreciate it thank you yeah well i'm going to give you some time back on a saturday so we can maybe make our our 
our uh, ladies happy, um, you know, do stuff around the house. So thank you. It's been awesome. Uh, keep I'm going to keep listening between two posts and I'm going to recommend others do the same. And you have a great Christmas. Hey, you too. Happy holidays. Have a great Christmas and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. We'll see ya. I think it's safe to say Evan and I had a lot to talk about. We probably could have kept going all day if we wanted. Be sure to catch him with previous Tendy Talk guest Kyle Conan on the Between Two Posts podcast and follow him, the podcast, and Vaughn Hockey on social media. Ev can be found on Instagram at uh, Boomer, B-O-M-M-A-R 33, the Between the Two Posts podcast on Instagram at B2P Podcast, and Vaughn at Vaughn Custom Sports on Instagram and Vaughn Hockey on Twitter. Don't forget, there may not be a new episode next week as I enjoy the Christmas holiday, so plan accordingly. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights, and of course all podcast episodes. If you want some Wash Up Goalie or Tendy Talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on my website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA podcast network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many lists here, but shows like the Trust the Process podcast, the Leafs Talk Forever podcast, and the Leafs Guy podcast can all be found. If you're looking for something good to read, get yourself a subscription to Vintage Tendy Magazine. Published quarterly by Episode 28 guest Brent Denure, the magazine takes a deep dive into a goalie, usually from the 80s or 90s, in the first six issues, they've covered Potvin, Fuhr, Chevalier, Tebow, Reggett, Van Beesbrook, and episode 20 guest, mask painter Don Strauss. The latest issue zeroes in on Darren Pupa. I need to thank the band Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my episodes. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. I'm always working on lining up other goalies to talk to, and it's getting harder and harder, as I've already talked to so many. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washedupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you're a brand that wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. Be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. So, until next time, keep your stick on the ice, your body square to the puck.
Yeah. It's froze right over.